0: He had an amazing ability to wind up even though he didn't speak English. <laughs> I liked him actually, I enjoyed it. You
1: know, he was a tough guy and he was aggressive and he was he was angry. Subscribe now to the OTB football podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into
2: your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. All right, very welcome along, it's Monday morning. It's Jerry and Johnny Ward with you all the way through until ten this morning. Johnny, how are you? Good morning, Jer. You did a big, big Saturday night out at the dogs. Saturday night at the dogs, doing my bit
3: of uh, freelance journalism at the dogs. Got a little opportunity to work there and Virgin Media for the semi-final and the final. I see there was uh, some criticism on social media about uh, Virgin showing the, the greyhound racing, which used to be um, obviously shown on the uh, terrestrial channel. Um, but uh, it was a great night. Yeah, hadn't been hadn't been at the dogs in a while actually. Um, was it busy? It was it was busy, yeah. Like the 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 Derby final is the the biggest night by a stretch. Um, but there was a good buzz in the place. I don't think it was quite as busy maybe as previous years. Um, a lot of it was an interesting aspect of it was a lot of the these the dogs that are rehomed by uh, after their careers were kind of on display, which was a very nice touch. Um, it's, it's something in in horse racing. I think you see in the states where horses in America they're led to post by retired racehorses and they give kind of roles to these retired racehorses and it's something that. Um, we could possibly replicate over here, but um, that's obviously a big, a big thing that the greyhound board over here is trying to promote because apparently greyhounds make
2: amazing pets. They don't actually want to run
3: around at all. They just want to sit on the couch and be nice to you.
2: Right, and let's yeah. face it, the entire sport is clinging to its very existence after what happened on primetime a couple of years ago.
3: Yeah, so the uh, I, I I think that's I mean speaking to people on Saturday night, I think that really needs to be promoted. If I were running uh, that aspect of the greyhound industry, I would basically be setting up like apps and websites with availabilities of all the dogs that are available to to be rehomed. To, uh, you know, give pictures of them, videos of them, talk about their characters because uh, there obviously has to be a life after greyhound racing. And um, I think greyhound racing and horse racing both have. Um, they definitely have challenges going forward i think you know in 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 britain i don't think there's a greyhound racing track in london anymore harris cross um site where i live has been lost in dublin and um, and and the racing front um, field sizes and horse racing field sizes in britain are really falling off a cliff and um, so there are problems ahead and animal rights groups have, have issues obviously with both sports so um Interesting times ahead.
2: All right. It's uh, 7.33 this morning. We're going to get into the big stories of the weekend. Um, if you're just waking up and you're a San Francisco 49ers fan, then you should go back to bed because uh, Trey Lance broke his ankle after the third play yesterday. We might talk about that a little bit later on. What about, we're about the probably, Jets? We're probably, what about the Jets? You're Unbelievable. Even onside, this. onside kick. Yeah, uh, and you never see a successful onside kick. It's like this thing that happens, you know, which you need to use three or four times a season. They're so shit at it in, in American football. They just can't kick the ball Ten yards and not make it um, completely rubbish, and uh, yeah, it was incredible, absolutely incredible. And they weren't the only incredible comeback. The Miami Dolphins are like one of the most exciting teams in any sport ever. You were watching After the red zone. I was watching red zone for an hour, and then I went to bed. I was like, "It's gonna can't can't take this anymore." <laughs> it's uh, some of my WhatsApp groups last night. This is the greatest
3: like sporting experience around at the moment. The red zone, the NFL. If you haven't tried it. Even if you're not into the NFL, it's just it, it encapsulates throwing 50 games together at its best and
2: feeling like you're not really missing much. I think yesterday was one of the all-time great... Because <laughs> there was two absolutely ridiculous comebacks mm. where the Baltimore Ravens were absolutely sensational against Miami and it looked like it was going to be a blowout. And then all of a sudden, from the depths of hell, Miami started pulling things together. And then the Jets, who uh, don't even have their first-choice quarterback but who have a quarterback who always beats the Browns Mm. and the Browns were hammering them with their backup quarterback with like what a minute and a half to go or something like that two touchdowns after the two minute warning which almost never happens you're supposed to be able to play out the two minute warning if you're a reasonable team and just sit on the ball but they were not able to do it so anyway that's some of the stuff that you might have missed if you want to talk to us about that we'd love to hear from you 879 180 is the WhatsApp number our performance rankings are coming up now we're going to talk to Kathleen about the weekend's uh, WSL fixtures massive defeats for uh, some of the favourites a, a good Villa win two Villa wins over the weekend uh, unexpected one and I don't know uh, Ben Jacobs is going to talk to us about the situation at Leicester where it looks and feels a lot like Brendan Rogers is on his way out after another hammering yesterday bringing the sports pages talk to Carl around 8.35 Martin Lipton is going to join us at 8.50 for more football Alan Quinnan is going to join us to look back on the first weekend of the URC and uh, we'll bring you some of the Sunday pay-per-view as well but at 7.35 it is time for this week's edition of the Gillette Performance Rankings
1: you know, that wasn't an All Ireland winning performance. Probably should have won the game based on the second half performance. Is it a step too hard to say it was the performance so far of the World Cup? Maybe not. OTBAN's performance rankings with Gillette. I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head. The performances have just lacked that intensity.
2: So over Sunday evening you can uh, head over to our Instagram and put stuff in the box that you think is uh, going to be in the green in the red or in the amber uh, Bobby Dwyer is a little bit late he's only coming to us now If Hyunmink Sun isn't in the green there will be riots in North London Is he yeah. is he going to be in the green? Not actually um, Oh I didn't even, didn't even think about it Yeah we spoke about his uh, you know his, his He's back
3: of, Yeah reports of his death have been greatly exaggerated tight thing on Saturday we spoke about it with JD obviously a resident Spurs fan and uh, his, his well, uh, yeah, Bobby Dwyer likes to think he's our resident Spurs fan. <laughs> his, uh, his stats have kind of fallen off a cliff this Cause we, year. Because we made him our resident Spurs fan. But anyway, go on. Um, his, his stats have obviously fallen off. He's his I think he is one of these players. He plays with a smile on his face. And his smile had kind of rather gone. But it's back as were the goals. He even got a controversial sort of... Um, did not he do his national service or did he get away with not doing it? Not sure about that. At least he's not living in the north of the... Oh, he, he
2: did it. Colin says, "Column says he thinks he did it." Even his national mm. service couldn't take a smile off his face. Yeah, I wonder how bad it was for him. You know, was it like basically lying on the couch watching people do work? Well, Look, I'm a footballer. It's not my fault. Yeah, he's the smile is back. If not for Brendan Rodgers, uh, no, the smile is not back for Brendan Rodgers. Is he in the red? So the way this works is people are in the red, the amber, and the green, and you tell us, Johnny, who's in the amber, who's in the red, who's in the green. We'll start with the red, though. Who's in the red?
3: Yeah, Brendan Rogers, uh, you know, it, it just doesn't seem to be able to stem the flow of, of the the goals that Leicester are conceding and um I think uh I, I'd be on the favorable side of looking at Brendan Rogers as a manager. I think in general um his, his his teams play very good football. I think at Liverpool um he was part of that bridge between you know, winning the league eventually, and that failure for so long. I think he, he was a little bit unlucky, and um, he 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 signed some very good players as well. At Leicester, though, he just can't seem to stem the flow of goals they're conceding. And you know, they were actually good in the first half on Saturday evening. They they played nice football. James Madison says after the game, you know, it's on the players. Usually, when you hear that, the manager is going to go soon, and doesn't look good.
2: No, it doesn't look good. At this oh. The only thing is, he's got a big contract, and they'd have to pay a lot of money to get rid of him. Mm. But they have to make the decision: is he still, is he still the right man for the job at the moment, or has, has? We've, we've talked about how well he's handled the scenario. He hasn't come out and said that the club has been mishandled over the last period of time. And there will be some transfer money. You would expect that they'll be able to spend at Christmas. <clears throat> so I, I don't know. The, 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 the
3: thing about Rogers, like, we've spoken about managers this year that when you're involved in sports journalism and, like, one result sort of changes everything and you're like, oh, what did I say on Saturday? Now now everything is rosy again, like Villa and, to an extent, Everton or whatever. So we've gone through managers who looked under pressure and... um you know, Scott Parker was the first to go um, probably wasn't expecting Chelsea to make the change they did. The one thing about Rodgers is that I don't know what Leicester's ambition is this season. They obviously don't want to get relegated but they shouldn't get relegated so maybe they'll be happy to give him a bit of time and he, he does make good signings and I haven't seen Leicester this season and maybe maybe it's a fact that they, they'll be okay once they sort out their defensive problems and I, I generally, do, I think second managers is generally a waste of time like if you, you point the manager you should have belief in him or her to do the job job and then give him or her the time and don't make snap decisions we'll see what happens but um obviously he's he's
2: under pressure yeah d- um <clears throat> caught him in the start today has he's got no um he's still only 49 but it's up to Rodgers to prove that he's not yesterday's man he says that um he talks about death by passing do you remember that that was yeah. a thing and he was like he went on and on and on and on and on and on about death by passing um but sorry death by football one of the reasons Liverpool finished seventh in Rogers' first season in charge was down to that philosophy. So Liverpool did finish seventh in Brendan Rodgers' first season in charge of Liverpool. They did better than that afterwards, though. Mm. They did improve. Should have won the league. They should have won the league, yeah. Mm. Passing for passing's sake, possession football with little end product. There have been tweaks since, but it's often still the Rodgers' way and there's a feeling that the game might be passing him by. Is there? Did he not drag Leicester to like no. the verge of qualification for the Champions League? Is he not still a really good manager that's just gone pear-shaped?
3: Yeah, I, I I I don't think the game is passing by, and <coughs> Brendan Rodgers would be a bit of a he would be a bit of an innovator in terms of keeping up with the trends. I think he's is he's, he's a good eye for a player as well.
2: Um, I don't know if he's the eye for the player. I'm always a little bit wary about that because there's like a director of football, a scouting director. Do You know, he's been able to integrate the players they've signed really well. I would say, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Like
3: <coughs> it, it, it's. The relationship with the board is obviously going to be key, um, but it would be—it'd be a big blow for him, um, you know. Even at 49, it would be a big blow. I, I think he's savvy enough to get a good job. still. Well, that's it.
2: So, where where would you reckon he will get a job next? Hmm.
3: That I really don't
2: know. Give me a, the range
3: of clubs. Well, who's I would have probably expected? I mean, the likes of Everton and villa are they going to be there indefinitely, probably. Probably a Premier League club, but not a top club. So, a West Ham? Maybe a West Ham, yeah. Moisey under pressure.
2: Moisey is under pressure. Mm. Everybody's like, oh, not no, there's no pressure. And it's like, hang on a second now. Two more results. And they're like, well, we've got this amazing stadium and we need to keep Declan Rice. Mm. Or they decide they make Moise sell Declan Rice in the summer. He takes the blame next summer. And then the owners hire a new manager. That might be whether are they're thinking about that. I don't know. But some, like, uh, would he have been in the running for the Spurs gig before Conte got it? He probably would. He would have been in the running for the Chelsea job if the Chelsea job had come up six months ago. If the Chelsea job had come up in the summer, Brendan Rodgers would have been one of the favourites for it, I would say.
3: Yeah.
2: I'm not sure about that now, though. I think... The Chelsea know connection? Yeah,
3: I'm not, I'm not sure that the... am not sure his stock is that high at this stage for jobs as big as that.
2: I'd say I'm, it was at the end of last year. Hmm. Like everybody was blaming the injuries they had last season on last season's performance not being very good and I think that was fair enough because the the squad was ripped apart. Now everybody's fit largely and uh, things aren't going well but it does look like his time there is coming to an end. He hasn't been sacked yet. We're we're still waiting to see if they're going to do it. If they do it, it'll probably be today or it won't be this side of the um, international break. Um, Okay, so that's in the red. Brendan Rodgers, Leicester in big trouble. League of Ireland, big boys. Yeah, the FAI Cup definitely matters. Um, You saying you saying shells aren't a big boy? Is that what it? Derry not a Derry not a big boy? No.
3: Well, they they um, it's just convenient that we've managed to fit the League of Ireland slot into this one because the three big teams who all have been you know big players in the League of Ireland in recent years: Shamrock Rovers, Bohemians, and Dundalk, all out of the cup. Starting with Shamrock Rovers yesterday, I would give them a bit of a pass on because um, Derry like. Derry were hot favourites to win the game which is very rare um, against Shamrock Rovers and Derry were outstanding like, Why were they favourites? Because they, what have they, five games on the bounce without conceding winning going into the game five wins on the bounce without conceding going into the game they have a midfield five now um, that to me looks as good as you've seen in the League of Ireland It's Patrick McElhenney who was outstanding yesterday has been made captain, Will Patching fantastic footballer Diallo, who they got from Man City, who I hadn't seen, and I'm like, ex-Man City, kind of a exotic name, he's going to be really flashy, but he's more like a Torre type player. He's, he's, like, this is the first time I saw him play, and it was on TV, so I'm, maybe I'm making a snap judgment. He looks like this kind of... Unique midfielder who's just strong and like can con- kind of like control aspects of a game that we don't have in the League of Ireland. Cameron Domigan I know Rory Higgins thinks he's up there in terms of the players of the season. Full stop, and he probably is Out- outstanding again yesterday. Rob Jack Byrne, um, blind at one time in the first half, jacket a frustrating day, and then you add in Michael Duffy, Jamie McGonigal, um, who'd been on a terrible run of, of form uh, goals wise, gets the goal. And then Rovers are down to ten men. I thought it was a harsh red card. Will Patching penalty to win the game um, hits the bar. Rovers come back, showed a great attitude, really, really against the odds. Force extra time, but they were they were tired. Rovers, I wouldn't give them so much for a pass on the again uh, performance last week. I think they're giving up terrible goals in Europe, and they really have to stem the tide, the the flow of that there because they're better than that, and they're giving themselves no chance with the goals they're giving away. That's Rovers. Bows were pathetic against uh, Shelburne yesterday. Their season is done um, in the middle of September. They're miles out of it uh, in the race for Europe. Pete Long obviously left two weeks ago. There was an initial um, reaction when they beat Shamrock Rovers, but um, they haven't really followed that up. And if you read Aidan Fitzmaurice, who obviously would have a soft spot for Bowes in the Independent, he doesn't mince his words. Um, so they're done.
2: Embarrassing was how their Derek Pender described them.
3: Yeah, and I think Jordan Flores apologising to fans. They made a Quadruple sub at half times. At half time, Sounds like something you'd be ordering at lunch. Like, they made a quadruple sub and it made no difference. Um, which I'm, I'm not sure I've seen that before at half time. Maybe I have. But anyway, um, so the atmosphere I
2: at Talca Park, I, the, the Griffith Avenue Mile was on yesterday. So mm. there was like two and a half thousand people on the streets, um, you know, 1,500 running it and another thousand supporting people. And the atmosphere was absolutely sensational. That was yesterday afternoon around about three o'clock. And then after it was over. Uh, you could hear this crazy noise coming I was like what's going on it's like ah oh, it's a cup because yeah. obviously Talca's never really used on a Sunday so I like, Where, where's the noise coming from it sounded like Croke Park noise it was that good the atmosphere
3: yeah the, and ta- Talca, like I used to live opposite Talca when I was in college and like it's it hasn't changed all that much um, but it's a really atmospheric ground and um, there but for the grace of God it would have been gone and you know turned into housing. We need houses but I think we need um Talca Park going forward as well and that's it's I'm glad that's saved. It's a really, really atmospheric ground and Rovers um obviously and Bows uh, out of the cup. Dundalk out of the cup as well, Jer, coughing up a bit bit like Brendan Rodgers and Leicester at the minute, just coughing up so many goals and um they they'd started the season quite well they went on this great run of form where they looked like they were in the title race for one moment and then they've just started I was just thinking of this they lost Connolly who they'd signed the the Monaghan boy they'd signed him they lost him Derry signed him and I, I was thinking of this when I was in bed last night do your stats in the morning what's Dundalk's um, record since Connolly left and what's Derry's record since he joined Derry unfortunately I completely forgot about that until now there but you go safe to say he's made a big difference to both Dundalk's defence you know, has you're has, more
2: an eye test man, anyway, rather than a stats man, isn't that right, Johnny? Yeah. You're you're all about the feel. How does he make you feel watching him play? You feel good.
4: How does it?
3: Yeah,
2: it is. It is a bit
3: about feel. I should have done my research. I I just forgot. I don't know what came over me. I started reading about climate change or something. Hey, anyway, so um, yeah, so uh, that's you're, still you're mourning
2: the passing of Her Majesty. Well,
3: I mean, she's not she was 96. Like honestly, it's not really a big news story. 96 year old woman dies. World is about to end because of fossil fuels, but, nah, 96-year-old woman. I find it, I find it astonishing. I don't know what you think. Like, get over it at this
2: stage. Um, I have I have found the stories about the queue and the, the various businesses and people. Nobody um, see the DUP um, skip the queue because, you know, they are
3: MLAs doing absolutely nothing, and um, it's great to see their, their loyalty.
2: Yeah, and and Holly and your man as well, they also skip the queue. Mm. But David Beckham didn't. We'll, we'll hear from the pay-per-view um, I think uh, it was Dion who nailed it yesterday, talking about Beckham and his public image, which obviously has taken an absolute battering because he's taken all that money from Qatar. Mm. And now all of a sudden his, his public image is restored. One fell swoop. All it took was 12 hours and some donuts. I'm not sure I'd queue for 12 hours to restore my public image, but I'd probably just stay in bed. <coughs> I know. How are we on about
3: the League of Ireland teams? Back to... So that's the, that are the they're the three teams. So Dundalk now have a challenge to get into Europe this season. They probably should be OK. But Stephen O'Donnell, probably the toughest time of his career management so far, I think, in terms of just results because it's, it's a sticky patch for them. Bows have to rebuild. They've no manager at the moment. And Rovers
2: should be fine, but they're out of the cup. It's great for Shells, it's great for Derry. We should pay testimony to those. You, you think uh, Waterford might turn Shells over in the uh, semi, though? Waterford, uh, you know, they've, they've
3: new ownership. Um, there was nearly 4,000 at the game the other night. A really atmospheric ground as well. It's a funny one, Jared, the RSC, because there's a, a running track around it, but there's great noise in the place. Um, uh, you know, any time I've been there, that I've really noticed that. Waterford, they've already knocked Pat's and Dundalk out of the cup. I think they've every chance of beating Shells. The big team I want to mention here is Derry City. If you watch that game yesterday, and Sweeney talks about it, the quality of Derry's football—they will almost certainly beat Treaty, who were brilliant uh, against UCD. They'll almost certainly beat Treaty. Derry City in Lansdowne Road is uh, an occasion and a place befitting the quality of this team and the style of football they have. Rory Higgins is going to be a really good manager. They are serious challengers, Shamrock Rovers, next season. Though Michael Duffy is back. And they were by far the better team yesterday. I know Rovers had excuses. Derry City. This was a massive statement. They they won the game after extra time. But they were way better than Rovers. Way better,
2: and it was a big statement. Uh, I think we should um, we should definitely. Uh, oh, there's exclusive extracts from Arthur's book in the Indo today. I didn't know that. Can we talk about that in a minute in our pay per view. Um, This was the season that started with you and and Damien Duff going toe-to-toe. And Damien Duff's going to lead his team to the promised land by winning the cup at the end of the year, Johnny. You can take that to the bank. Let's move
3: on. Toe-to-toe would be a bit of a stretch. But uh, Damien Duff's Shelburne could be in the cup final. Not a sleeping giant. Not a sleeping sleeping giant. giant. A giant.
2: They're a giant, Johnny. Here you are, writing them off in the semi. They just absolutely annihilated Bowes on a Sunday afternoon in the summer. To the point where Bowes are saying they're embarrassing themselves. And you're like, yeah, what if we're going to beat them in the semis? You need, to, you need to get over that you need to let bygones be bygones let the sleeping dogs lie the giant is awoken it's a
3: yeah you know. Duffer for box office and as a Bose fan um, you know you're, you're, there was terrible cues getting into the ground they didn't delay the kickoff, and then they were probably told to wait behind afterwards for security reasons watched an abject 4-0 defeat the season's over hopefully they had a good Sunday night afterwards because not a good Monday morning for them
2: uh, right the URC a mixed return for the provinces is what it says on the subheading here.
3: Yeah, Munster, um, Munster s- still seem to have questions uh, against them very much. Leinster obviously almost had one of the greatest collapses uh, in, probably in, in the history of the competition uh, against Zebra, um, who had a load of new players, obviously got over the line. Ulster, good against Connacht. We'll talk about this obviously with Quinny later, but um, yeah, the Leinster one is interesting. Cause there's, is there a bit of a hangover from uh, last
2: season defensively? Um, obviously very early days that's the thing it, it, it's it's too early to say anything about anything here like Munster fans might be thinking oh that's not a great start but like let's wait and see until um, the best team or the best available players or there's any time going uh, as I said more on this with Alan Quinn a little bit later on so let's move on to the green we have Irish centre halves and we're bearing the lead obviously in much the same way that uh, Desi Farrell did which one of these do you want to do first?
3: Of the Dublin footballer, the Irish CVs? I mean, does Irish centre Does Nathan Collins get a in the green for nearly decapitating one-time Ireland star well, Jack Grealish?
2: Well, uh, I saw a lot of Ireland fans kind of ha 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 ha, but actually, uh, Nathan Collins waited around for forty minutes after ki- after full time to apologise. Nathan Collins is just to Jack Relish. Just a top top
3: top 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 lad, and uh, I watched the game up until that point and then I was like switch over to Swansea to watch Ryan Manning and kind of didn't but Ryan Manning scored in that time he's not in the Ireland squad obviously so we'll talk about the Ireland back five but Nathan Collins was like he was I'm marking Alfie I'm marking Erling Haaland today Alfie Inge Haaland I'm marking Erling Haaland so I like first ball into the box after what 50 seconds or whatever it is I'll mark Unfortunately, Grealish steals in. Then Haaland scores. He had nothing, there was nothing he could do about that. Game's over. Then he was sent off. But I, I actually think it was one of them things that looked worse. The more you looked at it, it was more like it, it happened very fast. His legs were high. Fair enough. Grealish didn't make an absolute meal of it either. And The Collins ball was there, I think. The, hmm? the ball was there, The ball I was think. there. Um, the boy Mort on Twitter, on Twitter people have found he's, he's turned the, the attack into like a postage stamp. Um, which I thought was hilarious and got a lot of traction I think a lot of Irish people are still a little bit annoyed at Grealish let's just hope Collins behaves when he goes to West Ham (coughs) you think that's where he's gone next? When he plays against West Ham. Why? Yeah.
2: Well, against... Oh, yeah. right. Against maybe, maybe he just
3: was exercising the frustration of players who once played for Ireland. But yeah. no, I think in general he's had a very good start of the season. He seemed very sorry
2: afterwards. He did.
3: He's a top lad. The other two centre-backs, obviously, that we want to mention, Omo Bamadeli and Darrell O'Shea, were actually against each other. Darrell O'Shea scored. By all accounts, very bad defending. Omo Bamadeli's having an outstanding start to the season. I want to say, Stephen Kenny, this is my three... Forevermore. These are the three pick, you go with. Pick them with. now. Right right now. It's a, absolutely let's go. So f- John Egan's out of the team. Yeah, I'd go with this three. Um Duffy's out of the team. Duffy, Duffy's not playing at the moment either, which I think when when the margins are like Duffy for me, I think he'd be lucky to play anyway, he's a liability on the ball. Um the other three aren't and like I, did you watch the game on the, the, the Man City Wolves game at all? I saw bits of it. Collins, like fair enough. I mean it it was irrelevant in the overall scheme of things, but he did this amazing little run outside his own box early on take on a couple of players and he's so comfortable on the ball and the other two lads you have to remember they're centre backs but they have to offer something on the ball and going forward as Collins memorably did against Ukraine these are my three going forward right now pick the, the, team,
2: now. Pick the team for the Scotland game so those three who are your left and right back left wing back will be um,
3: I think it's going to be Robbie Brady ok um, and obviously like right wing back I think by the way Ryan Manning's a bit unlucky he's playing well he's not the squad um Interesting going forward what they'll do. Right right wing back will be um will be Darty. Uh, so no Coleman in the team. No, no. Coleman can't play right wing back anymore, he just doesn't have the legs. I think if Coleman's to play for Ireland it'll be right at the three centre backs, but he's down the he's down the list for me in that anyway, I think. Mm-hmm. And again, and it's the club the club issue. He's not gonna get a look in at Everton have a very good young right back. Yeah,
2: Darty's not playing either at the moment he so not, but he's he's he's
3: still it doesn't seem to have affected him as much either like last last year. Um, They're
2: after the, the. I think one. he's going to pick Coleman. Just, it's just purely on instinct, I think he's going to pick can't. Coleman. Well, if I you have the three twenty-one-year-olds, if you have three twenty-one-year-old centre-backs, who's going to be the leader on the pitch?
3: I'm not saying he'll necessarily go with that three. He might play Egan. Like he might, he really likes Egan. They would be my three. Um,
2: but so which of the three do you think he drops? is probably O'Shea. the easiest one, is he? <sighs> well,
3: his club form. His club form so good. I don't know, but I'd, I'd say he. He might play Egan and, two, and and obviously Collins who's like basically along with Cullen is the starter now straight away and obviously um, it's a tough one for him but I, I, I just I love the youth of that team yeah. Coleman though I I don't really see him playing wing back
2: uh, he just doesn't have the legs for it I think he might pick him I'm thinking i pick him there and he, I think he's going to pick Doherty at left wing back and leave Robbie Brady on the bench so that Brady can kind of cover in, in a lot of different places that's my that's my team at the moment that I think he will pick and actually I think he will go to 321s because of the three young lads because that's you think you will I, I do I think that's the type of thing that will Um, you know you can point to this is my team for the future and look what look what we're doing here like and also like the Nations League is very important but it's also not the be all and end all you know the other thing is if you've Robbie Brady and Doherty
3: as your wing backs these are Seriously, good footballers. Like they're not even like defending is kind of part of their artillery now. But we we we'll, we'll play a lot of nice football in midfield. Then Colin, this is a tough one.
2: Maybe nice I see. Is he going to pick Jason Knight from from League One? I mean, I mean his right performance back. for Ireland has um, been sensational, and uh, maybe he plays him in the right wing, right wing back. Uh, that's a, that could be a get him in the team. That's actually not
3: a. That's not a crazy call. That's not a crazy call. Um, then obviously Brown up front. I don't know. That's that's. It's just become very muddled now with the Obafemi. I did. I did find it strange that Stephen Kenny, who's such a mild mannered guy, could have managed to wind up both Jurgen Klopp and uh, Russell Martin, which is just because he he does he says things for he does say things generally for a reason. In that he thinks about it beforehand, and what he said about Obafemi, about two or three sides to a story. I was kind of like, uh, whatever, yeah, that's fair enough, he's defending the player. But then Russell Martin's like, well, no, that's, there, there aren't, which obviously there are. But, like, why did he say it? What did Martin Martin say? So he just like, uh, like, fill, well, they're, they're, f- fill people in on this. So, Obafemi wanted, seemingly wanted out of Swansea. You know, there wasn't, where was he going? Was it Bur- Burnley? Burnley. So there was, last minute looks like he's going, he doesn't go. He was then dropped by Russell Martin, and bear in mind... Obafemi's own career was sort of... where We'll see how this loan move goes at Swansea last year. And he absolutely thrived under Russell Martin. And he carried that form into Ireland. So he obviously was getting on. Russell Martin's a real like football manager. like Loves the style of play. Obafemi was then dropped. He's like, we can't play him until he kind of gets his head right. Was brought on at the end of the... Was it the 3-0 win on, on Saturday? Was brought on at the end. So maybe that's the proverbial olive, proverbial olive branch. But... Stephen Kenny in his press conference said there are two or three sides to the story why Oba Femi isn't playing. For me, that's, I'm going to defend my player here. Yeah. Oba Femi has he has his own version. He obviously wanted to leave,
2: and I think he, they he wanted to sell the evaluation, him.
3: Evaluation, blah blah blah. Yeah. So, but Russell Martin um, wasn't happy with that. Interestingly, seemed to compare. I may be paraphrasing here, but seemed to compare the attitude of Oba Femi somewhat to Ryan Manning, the Galwegian, who I, I still reiterate isn't in the Ireland squad, which I think is a little bit unfortunate. The left back situation is. Is a bit mad now, because I think Enda Stevens is under serious pressure there.
2: Yeah, no, for sure.
3: All right, and again, I don't know who starts uh, up front. Obafemi and Parrott, maybe the non-goal scoring, but playing (laughs) well centre forward.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, certainly they've done well for Ireland so recently. So maybe that's what uh, managers remember. In the green this morning, which something which may have a a, a long-term impact on the power rankings. Dublin football. What happened yesterday?
3: Yeah, I don't want to turn like everything. Like when you when you're involved in in the betting game, you, you know odds like and sport are always in your head. But Dublin were eleven to four to win the All Ireland yesterday. They were second favourites. Dublin are clearly favourites to win the All Ireland now, right? No, they are. No, 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 they no, 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 been, no, no. They lost a carry by a point without these two players. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Without yeah. even
2: necessarily playing that well. Yeah, but a carry team had never won All
3: Ireland. Yeah, but they, now the carry team have won All Ireland. They have, they have. But Dublin, like, there's nothing sates your appetites more at this level than like being written off to an extent, and and that sense of you know defeat so you said they had. were 11-4 to four. they were 11-4 I, mean, I don't think that'll last they're 2-1 I mean, they, to one now you're right so th- maybe the bookmaker had reacted to the news but like obviously they get through Leinster um, I, I, didn't, I didn't really rate Dublin this, e- this year thinking that I thought Kerry beat them comfortably they, they, they somehow managed to hold on and the two lads coming back and Conor McCohen writes about in the Irish Independent it was kind of like Desi Farrell was on Dubs TV which I didn't know existed he's like oh yeah the two lads are two lads will be back as well so that'll be good and uh, there we are Dublin will win the All-Ireland next year
2: Uh, I'm old enough to remember when uh, somebody in the Munster camp was uh, jaw-jawing with somebody in the Leinster camp about ah we'll see how good you are now Rocky Elson's gone and then Leinster went out and smashed them the next year because the you know the galvanising taunt of like oh we'll see now we've got our lads back which is what Kerry are going to be listening to all year like oh you only won that because Conn wasn't in the game and now it's going to be oh you're not going to be so good now They're going to have Conn and they're going to have Mannion and they're going to have McCaffrey McCaffrey uh McCaffrey
3: who's the guts of four years out like I didn't realise this um, in terms of his time play his player for Dublin he's 29 now but uh, how sensational is this All-Ireland going to be at the latter it's going to be good it's going to
2: be good it's going to be good I'm not saying it's not going to be good but I do think that a carrier looking at this like uh, thinking All right. yeah okay okay yeah bring it fine like, you think Kerry going to take a backwards step? You think Kerry are going to be like twenty to thirty-five percent better next season by virtue of the fact that they're now a team full of confidence who who got that monkey off their back? Like, uh, I think this is actually good news for Kerry. It it sharpens the resolve over the winter. That's good news for Kerry. I mean, it, that's, there's a, no. It's a crazy comment.
3: It's not. You can't say, not. "Oh, Paul Mannion come back to Dublin." Is Absolutely. not good news for Kerry. It that's, sharpens them. Crazy it means there's no all.
2: there's no extra drinking over the winter. The training the training starts earlier. <laughs> Jack O'Connor and whoever else is in that backroom team last night were electrified by the news that the lads are back. They were like, "Right, we're we're getting thinking on this. We're going to have we're going to have scouts at the Dublin Club Championship games. We're going to be watching this. And see how the we're we're sending out the training regime now. The preseason, the end of it. It's all it's all moving forward. A couple of weeks. Crazy talk. No, um, this, is, this is perfect. The
3: one aspect of Dublin though, some of their marquee players weren't. Weren't the players they were probably last year, and that's nothing to do with the two lads. So you know they didn't really look the Dublin team they were. But no. Mannion being back and McCaffrey, um, it's,
2: it's it's also good for Dublin. Don't uh, don't get me wrong here. Also <laughs> I good, think for it's good for
3: Dublin. That's two of uh, the best players we've seen are back in the team. Yeah, and it's massive for Desi Farrell. I mean, we haven't heard much from him since the Kerry game. Um, but Desi must be smiling into his proverbial... We
2: haven't heard anything from him since no. the Kerry game. That um, was his, his he, first... He's uh,
3: delighted with life. Dublin in the All-Ireland next year. Possibly we can go all the way in
2: the final. Uh, OK, that's your prediction. Mine is that it's going to be... A, a it'll probably be dubham kerry final. Yeah. I, and, uh, wouldn't that be good? Don't we deserve some nice things in our lives? We do. Hopefully it'll be in August as opposed to in uh, July. Now, right, that is this week's episode of the Gillette Labs Performance Rankings.
1: OTBAS performance rankings with Gillette. We're
2: going well, yeah, to be joined next by Cathy uh, McNamee to talk about the first weekend of the WSL. First, though, as I was talking about a little bit earlier on in the Sunday paper review, uh, they were talking about David Beckham's already infamous queuing. David Beckham gave me such a boost this week. You know, when you see a
4: master at their craft. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, like. It's one of those ideas. Like, it's just one of those things that people will be looking at. It's like one of those great kind of uh, I- inventions. People think, "Why didn't we think of that?" Every celebrity, every celebrity in Britain, their thought on Thursday and Friday would be, "How do we skip the queue?" Yeah. <laughs> How do we skip the queue? And David Beckham, who we were going, we might talk about Qatar in a bit. And like, if you if you Google David Beckham, you'll see the the criticism he was getting for. His his videos and support of guitar and all that kind of stuff, hasn't got his knighthood, all these things that he was dreaming of. Beckham just flipped that on his head. Or somebody working for Beckham flipped it on his head and saying, You don't need to skip the queue, David. You need to join that queue. And it was just I just looked at it and went, That is that is just a master of his craft,
2: you know, what's quite interesting is, um, I like it's 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 a, a weakness of mine, but I do uh, enjoy a, a, a ten minute trip to the Daily Mail showbiz section and the comment section reveal much about like the world that we're living in, you know. And Beckham has not been popular on there for quite a long time now. They really don't like him, and a bit like you, I thought, well, this is a fair? This is not
4: a stunt? Is harsh, and I think he's he's, he's well meaning in some respects, but he could have skipped the queue and maybe he knew that he would garner some attention by not. And I thought, well transparent enough uh, thing to do but honestly the Daily Mail readers swept away in this kind of week of weeks like, not, everyone's swept away it's like, not just Daily I'm telling you in everyone, and Ireland it's, they're,
2: it's, they're full of like look I'm no fan of Beckham <coughs>
4: But I tell you what, he queued up. And but also, not only did he, not say no fan of Beckham, but and now they're saying that he queued up. He's now just put into sharp relief all the people who didn't queue yeah, up. Sorry,
2: Holly Willoughby and oh, Philip Schofield. Yeah, had to come out that, and say, yeah we were, we were there in that. a working yeah. capacity. We didn't skip the queue. Yeah. Like this is the when you when you have ten days of a news cycle. Yeah, like it's, yeah. it's too long for the modern world. Cathy McNamee is with us to so talk about a fairly uh, tumultuous opening weekend of the WSL, which obviously again had been all cancelled last week because of um, the the funeral celebrations. They played for her this weekend. It was for her. (laughs) Where do you want to start?
5: I think you have to start with Liverpool, Chelsea. Um, Liverpool obviously newly promoted. Lots of Irish talent in there. We have Campbell, Kiernan and Fahey all played. And they beat Chelsea who are looking to go for four in a row in league titles. it's actually, it's kind of unusual because it's actually, I think in the last five seasons, Chelsea have been beaten on the opening Day all bar one and have still managed to win the league three times out of that. So not maybe all that unsurprising. A lot of the time they do suffer on that first day cause so many of their players are involved in big internationals before they head into the new season. They didn't
2: have that excuse this time, did they?
5: Mm, Not as much they would have with the Euros and with World Cup qualifiers. A lot of their players would have come into camp a bit later than the others. Um, But Emma Hayes said it herself after the match. She was like, it's not that Liverpool were taking loads of shots all the time. And actually, if anyone was doing it for them, it was Leanne Kiernan, who unfortunately went off injured and it looked quite bad, which is maybe a slight worry for Vera Powell coming up to the World Cup playoff, Um, although she doesn't play Kiernan all that often. But she looked like a bright spark. Um, It was just more that... Liverpool got very, very lucky when it came to the penalties and they took their chances when they came, thanks to some lovely Campbell long free throws. <laughs>
3: Love a long throw.
5: Mm, well, it was great. Like She came on for Leanne Kiernan, and she got that long throw, for which got the first penalty. And just put it into the box, it bounced around the box, off Millie Bright's hand and there you go. Liverpool had their opening goal.
3: How much of an outlier is that in the game? Because like, it's a... As a Galway native fan, it's one of our sort of even in I think the League of Ireland level now. Men's League of Ireland, it's rare. Like you get the odd one, but to see, Campbells are insane. Like it must be mayhem to defend against.
5: It's incredibly rare. Like you just do not get them at all. I can't think of another player in the league who actually does that. In fact, I can't really think of anyone else even in some of the other European leagues who does that sort of free throw. It's just not something that teams are used to defending against. And it's been unfortunate that she has had the injuries for so Mm. long because it has been something that Ireland and Liverpool haven't really been able to benefit off. But I'm excited to see the chaos that it is going to cause for the rest of the season. The only thing is that because she is known for it, teams will probably be able to prep for it a bit more now and actually see... You Know that she doesn't get as much off them, but yeah, it's hard to prepare for it, though. It is,
2: it, like, is, it is, you know. Oh, they're gonna do this thing, yeah, I know they're gonna do this thing, then wow. <laughs> took my head off, like, um.
5: But I think it is one of like Liverpool's secret weapons, clubs. It's their first season back up in the WSL. They don't have maybe a lot of the star power that a lot of the other teams are going to come up against. There, are, but this is something completely unusual that, as you say, it's hard to defend against. It's hard to know what to do. And I mean, we've seen how successful it's been for Ireland in the short time she's been back. How, so. how
3: bad would Leanne's injury be then? And like, how much, how much of would this have been a breakthrough season for her? As you mentioned, she's not necessarily starting for Ireland anyway.
5: I think the season could have been massive for her, especially considering how well she was playing when she was on uh, yesterday. So she last season she was like championship top scorer. She was Liverpool player of the season. She was championship player of the season. She was banging the goals left, right and centre. And one of the reasons that she was doing so well is that she wasn't having the same sort of injury problems that she has been. It kind of looked like she had done her Achilles in or something and she came out after um, getting some treatment in a boot and crutches and looked quite upset herself. So it didn't look all that optimistic. And it is unfortunate because I think she's exactly the sort of player that Ireland could do well with if we can make a setup where have her as the focal point and... Put Heather Payne on the wings along with Jesu you know we could actually play some really nice attacking football which isn 't necessarily what we 're very well known for at the moment um, so yeah it's really really unfortunate because I think she could have made her mark on the WSL just with that whole because she 's played there before but I think she needed that time at Liverpool and in the Championship to get her confidence up after so many bad injuries. And uh, I would just feel so sorry for her if this is the end of her season so early on.
2: Hopefully it's sore from a kick as opposed to a rupture. And um, we we keep an eye on that over the next while. What else from um, the opening
5: weekend stood out? Well, we also had Man City losing to Aston Villa, which is a big one. Um, There's been a lot of talk about Man City because they've lost basically their entire starting eleven, and in particular a very, very good midfield. Now, they have brought in a lot of players, but there's been calls from fans for quite a few months now that Gareth Taylor, their manager, needs to go. Aston Villa had never scored against City in the league before this, so it was a pretty impressive win from them. Um And I think it's only going to increase the amount of people calling for Gareth Taylor to leave. I mean, he was losing players like Lucy Bronze, Caroline Weir, Kira Walsh. These are some of the big, especially after Euros, these are some of the biggest names in the game and he can't hold on to them. Ellen White retired. There's just been a lot of chopping and changing at City and he really needed an opening win. He got quite fortunate in the games that were postponed last weekend. They were supposed to play Arsenal. That could have been a massive scalping for them if that game had gone ahead. So quite fortunate that they didn't play them but also very very unlucky to get that first loss against Aston Villa
2: yeah Uh, are they blaming him for the players leaving or is it just one of those kind of Brendan Rodgers style situations where the club aren't actually investing the way they're supposed
0: to be
5: there's mixed debate (coughs) over it so some of the players have come out since say someone like Georgia Stanway who was seen as like an all-round player she literally you wouldn't know what sort of position she would turn up on the pitch last season they had a massive injury crisis and they didn't have any goalkeepers and there was she had been prepped to turn up and goal. like that, this is the level of an all-round player she is normally she plays in midfield um, so there was talk that players weren't all that happy with him with his playing style that he wasn't listening to what some of the senior players were saying and then the flip side is there's also been talk saying that City aren't investing in contracts the way that other teams are so now you have say Kira Walsh and Lucy Bronze going to Barcelona for world record contracts those sort of players are looking for it and those teams are willing to pay for it so yeah. City might not be keeping up in the same way that other teams have been investing.
2: One last thing uh, we had assumed that Courtney Brosnan was going to start the season, she did start, that's important
5: Very important. Um, Regular playing time is so important. Uh, Any regular listeners to the Koi Gig podcast will know that Emma Byrne, who's often on the show and is now joining us full time as a co-host, which is very exciting, uh, talks all the time about how important it is for starting goalkeepers at a national level to also be starting for their club team. And that hasn't been happening for Courtney Brosnan. So really glad that she is the starting keeper, it seems, for this year. Also has to be pointed out that Jessu got the assist for that West Ham goal in that game. So First start in the WSL and is already off to a flyer. So that's definitely a real positive for Ireland.
2: All right. You talked about uh, Koi gig there. When are you recording? What's the story?
5: We are recording this evening, our first ever show with Emma Byrne as co-host. So we'll be talking about all this in much more detail. And it will be out tomorrow morning on all the usual spots where you can get your OTB podcast.
2: All right, Kathleen, good stuff. It's 12 minutes past eight this morning. A reminder, Brayburn Coffee is our official coffee partner here on Off The Ball. Every week coffee we give giving one lucky said. viewer. 100 euro voucher to spend on some Braeburn coffee goodness at an Apple Green store near you to enter check out add off the ball on Twitter like and retweet our Braeburn competition post and you'll be in the draw Braeburn coffee never compromises on quality or taste to give you the very best on the go coffee experience on the road it's available at Apple Green today we're back after this ad break with Ben Jacobs of CBS Sports Golazzo, as Brendan Rogers appears on the brink at Leicester
4: OTB AM this is OTB Sports Radio
1: your goalkeeping coach is your god. The transfer window is closed, but the Koi pod has made a new signing.
4: People wanted to come to Man City, and now everyone wants to go to
2: Barca. So why wouldn't you want to go there? Let's be honest. friend of the pod.
1: Emma Byrne is joining Kathleen and Karen this season. Everyone was so buzzing. Like keep up to date with all the WSL action every Tuesday, and subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. If your business relies on a van, that wouldn't sound good. But this does. Get up to 75% off van insurance. Now available in FBD branches nationwide. FBD Insurance. Support. It's what we do. 75% 75% no claims discount based on 5 years claims free available on new van policies used for farm or business purposes terms and conditions apply underwritten by FBD Insurance PLC FBD Insurance Group Limited trading as FBD Insurance is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland
2: Celebrate European Week of Sport this September at the Be Active Festival an action packed day out for the whole family at Sport Ireland Campus Blanchardstown come and try new sports fitness challenges and skill tests at Ireland's biggest sporting festival meet sporting Legends. Check out the inflatable zone, village food market, and much more. There's something for everyone at the B Active Festival, Saturday, September 24th, at Sport Island Campus, Blanchardstown. Book your tickets now at beactivefestival.ie.
4: OTB
1: AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette
2: Labs Razor with Exfoliating Bar. Right, 14 minutes past eight, you're very welcome back to OTBAM. We're live each morning, brought to you by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Now, I'd like to say Ben Jacobs is back with us this morning. Ben, good morning to you, how are you? Good morning, how are you? Very well at my end, thank you. Yeah, um, can we talk a little bit about uh, Leicester before we get to the new coach, uh, new manager at Brighton? How long do you think Brendan Rodgers has here? Is this a situation where he's going to be given some opportunity to turn things around? Or are we looking at something imminently?
6: Well, I'll re-answer your first question when you said, how am I as a person born and bred in Leicester and as a Leicester fan? And now we're starting with Leicester. I'll change my answer to not very well. Okay, fair enough. And <laughs> not going too good at Leicester, unfortunately. And I think that there's a few considerations with Brendan Rodgers. The defeat against Tottenham as its own entity was bad, but when coupled with a 5-2 loss, against Brighton, and really the last 18 months of steady decline, it's very difficult for Brendan Rodgers to stay in that position because he's got a dressing room that are short of confidence. He's got defenders in particular who are making a number of needless errors. He's got foundational cores that are wrong at the football club, particularly from set pieces. Leicester are conceding for fun from corners as they proved against Tottenham. And Brighton as well but the consideration that the board have got really is twofold one financially can they afford to get rid of Brendan Rodgers because the payoff is around 10 million quid and then two do they feel that he still has the coaching ability to turn the side around and given that he's had no freedom in the last transfer window and considering what he's done across his whole tenure at the football club he's always had top but half finishes. He's won the FA Cup. He's had a European run with Leicester. Can he still turn things around? And I think that the fans feel no. I think that the dressing room is not refreshed enough due to the lack of new signings. I think there's ageing players that aren't really going to be able to weigh in and contribute like Jamie Vardy, for example. So suddenly there becomes pressure on a James Madison. You've got someone like Wilfred and Diddy who used to be reliable and isn't really as consistent and bossing games like he used to. And then at the back, there's of course no Wesley Fofana or Casper Schmeichel and Danny Ward is proving a bit of a liability as well. So when you add all of that up, Leicester in big, big trouble. You have to unfortunately look at them as relegation candidates right now. And I think if they could afford to get rid of Brendan Rodgers, they would. So where we stand at the moment is that there will be some talks over the course of the next two days between Brendan Rodgers and the board. And if Rodgers, for example, was to agree to go by mutual consent and help the club financially move on, because it's the right time to make a change, then that will be that. And I think that he'll depart, but there is definitely still a chance at the moment that he'll stay. Because Leicester can't afford to get rid of him. And because at the moment, they don't have another replacement lined up.
2: Yeah. And, and from his perspective, if you were his agent or his manager, you'd be saying, well, why would you take a pay cut? You won an FA Cup for this crowd. You know, you, you brought them to within uh, moments of Champions League football. And so therefore they signed you to this contract. They should honor it. I, I understand from the fans' perspective, they're like, well, that's not really, that's, that's not much fun. But can I just, this all seems, um, like it's a money issue and it's a financial fair play issue apparently is one of the things that's been spoken about but what what was behind the Schmeichel transfer because it feels like he was kind of some kind of totemic figure like uh, the Samson-esque hair once they cut that everything else was revealed
6: yeah, I think with Schmeichel, it was a case of age, really. And Leicester can't continue to reward well-paid players that won the Premier League when they're slightly past their peak. And Schmeichel still a very good goalkeeper. I think fans would argue better than Danny Ward. But in his late 30s And towards the end of last season, there was some talk that Brendan Rodgers would start to bring in Ward a bit more with a view to replacing Schmeichel. And there's no way that Schmeichel wanted to stay at Leicester and be a number two. So I think he was looking at his future towards the back end of last season. And maybe his anticipation would have been that Leicester would have brought in another goalkeeper rather than necessarily Ward. Leicester, for example, were looking at Dean Henderson and De Bravka as well, who subsequently went to Manchester United, but as their number one, not as their number two. So Schmeichel's agent was probably looking and he was very high on the wage bill. And even though some fans were shocked by his departure, I think that Leicester just needed to have a bit of a clean out. And the financial consideration is partially down to financial fair play. But it's also due to the fact that Leicester are handcuffed because they've spent a lot of money behind the scenes. So that's on the wage bill, which has steadily crept up, particularly for the longer standing players. And you have to do that because if you win the Premier League, if you get to the quarterfinals of a Champions League, if you nearly make UCL football in back-to-back seasons, and then if you finish in the top half, guess what? Every single one of them gets a bonus. And the reason for that is because you're Leicester City Football Club. You're not Chelsea, Liverpool, Manchester City and so on. So you have to pay these players for every part of success whether they just miss out on Champions League and end up in the Europa League or whether they finish in the top half all of that is your yardstick for bonuses so Schmeichel has been able to cash in much like Vardy every single season and the wage bill creeps up and then Leicester have also built a fantastic new training facility they want to expand the King Power Stadium all of this requires money and it's very difficult for a club like Leicester to stay within financial fair play so that's part of the consideration with letting Schmeichel go as well and because Leicester to have to sell before they could buy. And because Schmeichel, unlike Fafana, doesn't come with a massive transfer fee, Leicester had no real ability to move over this summer. And I think that when you have a thin squad, you've had injury problems, morale dips, you start conceding goals and then you can't bring in that extra bit of quality here and there. Plus Fafana departing, all of that adds up to a football team that are really in decline at the moment and need would hope they can stabilise in the short term because if they can get through this season and stay up, up, then, because then they won't have that outlay for a new training facility and because they won't imminently have to spend everything to upgrade the King Power Stadium, they might have a bit more freedom to spend some of that Wesley for Farnham money, get back up on their feet. Because on paper, there's still a lot of potential there, but if they slip too far this season and go down, then all that hard work and success of seasons gone by goes straight out the window.
3: Is there any sense that the Rogers message is just kind of worn out a bit with the players? It's good
6: question. I think the fans see it that way. The decline can't only be seen in the context of a very frustrating summer and the beginning to this season. You have to look at it over the last 18 months and determine whether Brendan Rodgers is now moving the club in the right direction. And ever since, probably Leicester missed out for the second time two seasons back on Champions League football, things have not been going well. And what Rodgers was able to inherit and where the football club was was pretty strong. And then he was backed by this Thai ownership group and had upwards of 200 million to spend over the course of a couple of windows. But from that point onwards, Leicester didn't clinch Champions League football. A little bit harsh in some respects to say they should have done. But then if you flip it where they were, come in the end of the season, and even by final day in back-to-back seasons, they should have qualified for the Champions League. So if you'd have said it at the beginning of the season, you might, much like when they won the Premier League, have been laughed out the room. But by the end of that season, the fact they didn't make either of those seasons in the top four it was really poor. And then last season, I think that Leicester just became less of a progressive, less of a direct, less of a dynamic team, far less speedy on the counter-attack, far less creative. They ended up kind of taking more possession, but with less M result. And that frustrated the fans because the style of football wasn't as explosive, wasn't as energetic. And the team just generally didn't look as hungry. And then when you take on the fact that Vardy can't be relied on for all the goals, there were only a few bright lights that were consistent. Madison was one player of the season, Fafana was another. But beyond that, I, I think Leicester just looked a bit toothless at times they conceded to easily from set pieces and then uh, at the other end you just had no real belief that they could find enough goals consistently in games after that they conceded to get maximum points and get over the line so the decline has been there for a while and that I think is why if Leicester can afford to get rid of Brendan Rodgers they will.
2: Uh, one of our commenters <clears throat> who um uh, claims the moniker Celtic on YouTube says to be fair to Brendan Lester have played Arsenal, Manchester United, Chelsea and Spurs already and the next four are against Forest, Bournemouth Palace and Leeds give him those four to see how he does is he I mean that's not really how football works is it if you're the owners you're like oh, our new manager's going to come in and get an immediate bounce we look like geniuses because he's got these four easy games um, that's more likely to happen than them saying well let's give him those four games to turn things around Yeah, and also remember when Leicester played Manchester
6: United, Manchester United were not exactly flying. They'd had a little bit of an upturn. They started the season against Brentford. They were 2-0 up. They drew 2-2. They played against Southampton. They were 1-0 up in the game. They lost by two goals to one. They scored early against Brighton. They got hammered 5-2. They took the lead against Tottenham. They got hammered 6-2. So I don't think you can exactly say that Leicester have had a horrific start to the season. Uh, and actually, when they lost away at Chelsea, they played OK in that game. They should have got something from it because Chelsea went down to 10 men pretty early when Conor Gallagher was sent off. So when people look at the fixtures, you're taking those teams by name, not by the nature of how they were playing when Leicester actually came up against them. Chelsea was not a particularly difficult fixture for Leicester after they went down to 10 men, which is why they were disappointed to get nothing from the game. Manchester United were better for sure, but let's not forget it wasn't too far after their horrific start to the season and Leicester were at home at that game and historically in the last few seasons have had quite a good record at home to Manchester United a few years back. They beat them by five goals to two even. So I I think that Rodgers will only be given time because either Leicester are still lining up their ducks, lining up their finances and lining up a replacement. And then if there is an upturn in form, who knows the board might reconsider because they are a little bit patient and uh, they have been historically uh, as well. But, you know, if there wasn't that 10 million right there in terms of compensation, then I think Rogers would have been gone already over the weekend.
2: One last thing about this before we move on. Um, There's a a perception outside of of Leicester, that actually Rogers has done quite a good job and won't be too damaged by what's going on here. But listening to what you're saying about the team becoming a possession base but not having any cut and thrust, like that's not really how football works at the moment. Those managers uh, don't tend to be very successful at the elite level. Is there still a possibility that Brendan Rogers becomes an elite manager or has that ship sailed for him, do you think?
6: Well, I think he's damaged in the sense of if you flash back three seasons to when Leicester were flying and then there was the COVID break, they entered into that COVID break uh, around about double digits, clear, the fifth place, which is why it was so disappointing when football resumed that they didn't make Champions League football. So at that point, I think he's in the conversation for the Manchester United job, which ended up coming up and other elite level gigs now he's not in that conversation brighton for example considered him but then never moved or even started conversations and instead obviously moved on to Zerby instead who ended up being their only candidate and that sort of tells you everything really that teams of that potentially villa or everton if there ends up being vacancies there. Uh, not really looking at him anymore. And I don't think Brendan would have any problem, by the way, walking into the Everton job if that ever became available despite his Liverpool links. So is his reputation damaged? Well, not necessarily because people understand the financial constraints at Leicester, and he remains a great coach. He remains a good man-manager. He remains an excellent developer of young talent. And I think that the board and sporting directors at various clubs he's been on, for example, that recruitment model at Liverpool, really enjoyed working with him. He's a people person. But I think where he's fallen is kind of almost staying in touch with the game and it moves so quickly. And I think that the managers now, that are gaining real success are able to be quite fluid with their formations they're able to change from a back three to a back four they're very embracing of data and of science and i think the rogers has got his way and it is to some extent science and data driven but when it doesn't work because he likes to keep the ball and because he likes to change pace and play on the counter-attack at times too. when he doesn't have the ball, all of that can get quite exposed if you lack creativity because you have so much of the ball that is there for all to see that you're short of ideas. So I think he lacks that bit of creativity now. He lacks that perhaps flexibility tactically to change a game. And that's the one thing that I've been disappointed in over the last 18 months, that Rodgers, when things are flying, Great. The confidence just builds momentum. The team is hungry. The talent's there for all to see. And he's got a real eye for talent. But when things aren't working now, those tactical changes, whether personnel or formation, aren't working for him. And when you look at that over 18 months, rather than just the first seven games of the season, I think that tells you that he has lost uh, a little bit of nous and for
3: want of a better word
6: I don't mean this too derogatory intelligence
3: to really turn a game around on that I think like it's so difficult now in terms of the evolution of the game and as as Ben says just like the, the good manager a few years ago now has a totally different task and it's it's, it's not easy like most managers are going to end up as failures because well, that's,
2: the way, that's, the, that's, that's the game the but it's just that's like why when they... you
3: look at Tuchel and you're like you know there were circumstances there but there's so much going on in terms of um, tactical now obviously data um, you know the young, the young guy of today is a little bit different to maybe the young guy of 10 years ago, but it's seriously, seriously difficult and you just have to keep evolving, I think. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I'm I, not going to lie and say I know enough about Brendan Rodgers to say that he's not like that, but it's difficult. It's very, very difficult. It is. Maybe a year off Even exactly you look at needs, Klopp now, you're like, you is Klopp, does Klopp have to evolve to, you
2: know? Uh, we'll see, we'll see. I mean, he, we'll see. I think the time off is going to do Liverpool quite well. Uh, let's talk about the situation at Brighton. They've uh, announced that, or will announce tomorrow at least, that... Roberto De Gerbi is going to be their new manager and he fits into that structure really well. What do you know about this guy?
6: Yeah, I think he's a really good appointment in the end. It was the only candidate that Brighton seriously explored and you can look at his time at Shakhtar and obviously due to the war he chose to leave that club. So he's been in a state of limbo really waiting for his next big job. But we can also judge him from his time at Sassuolo as well where he took a very small club and got two eighth-place finishes in Serie A and almost qualified for European football as well in the Europa Conference League. And he's a very good fit for Brighton. His two preferred formations are 3-4-3 three, three and 4-3-3, three, three, and he can interchange between them pretty freely. And I think what will work within how Brighton play is, first of all, There's some similarities with Graham Potter and his style. And second of all, he's a very patient coach. He likes to build slowly from the back and then have a lot of turns of paces. So you'll see Brighton have a fair amount of the ball. You'll see them play quite calmly and methodically and safely at the back. And then out of nowhere, you'll see turns of paces and quick movements forwards, which can be quite unsettling for teams and therefore he'll be looking to bring in players over time that are very hungry and have got a lot of speed. And we saw at Sassuolo and also Shakhtar as well that he likes a change of direction, a diagonal ball either on the ground or even one or two long balls as well, not as many. As uh, perhaps Brighton have played before, we, we saw Graham Potter uh, quite like those sort of chip balls or uh, long balls, but safe long balls that change the direction. Dezebri uh, perhaps likes to keep the ball on the ground a little bit more. And he also likes to go through the centre as well. So the role of the wide players will very much be to kind of make the pitch as big as possible, but to do a lot of work off the ball. And then when they're actually involved on the ball, he'll want them to cut inside at least to be part of the phase of play. So to move in quickly and play a short pass and then to get back out wide or to start out wide and then to burst into the box. So we're going to see a lot of efforts from this Brighton side under him to play very centrally and to be fast and to take teams by surprise. And Potter was like that to some extent as well. So I think he'll be very good. We've also seen him work with young players at Shakhtar. For example, he had Mudrik, the so-called Ukrainian Neymar, who's done very well in the Champions League so far with two goals in two games. And that's good news because Brighton's mentality is to bring some of these young players through. So when you look at the mid twenties or beyond, like a Trossard or a Gross or a Welbeck or a Lalana, they're there because they're solid Premier League players. Webster falls into that category as well, who can make sure that Brighton stabilise and try and stay where they are in the table or somewhere close, pushing for either top half or European football. But beneath that, you've got the excellent Alexis McAllister. You've got Moses Caicedo. You've got Pervis Estepinian, who's effectively replaced Mark Kukurea. You've got Tarek Lamptey and Levi Colwell, who's on loan from Chelsea. And those young players are Brighton's future. Even though Colwell is only on loan, they'd love the ability to sign him. I don't think that Chelsea would allow it. And that's where I think that De is going to be very useful to Brighton because he's kind of accustomed to bringing through young talent. He's a real tactician. So when we talk about developing a young player, what do we mean? Well, there's the data side that he's very big on. So projecting your development literally in numbers and working out where there is scope to improve and then there's that intelligence in terms of what are your weaknesses and how can you develop and how do you actually learn from that day on day well it's watching videos it's running through game management style scenarios to try and get better positioning or uh, better control of the game and work out how you can improve under pressure and then there is perhaps that final aspect with young talent of just actual match time and you're not going to learn unless you're playing and given the opportunities and when does the manager think you're right and that's down to kind of gut instinct and risk reward at some times like look at Arsenal bringing on a 15 year old but they're 3-0 up in the game so you can do that and that's the call of the manager and I think that this is where he's going to be very strong because he's used to kind of taking underdogs and improving them and quickly as well we saw this uh, Saswolo, most notably, he, he really was able to uh, take a team almost instantaneously and improve their amount of time on the ball, improve their um, directness and their clinical nature in the final third, improve their defensive numbers, all within a kind of nine-month period. And if you look at the graph of all of the key metrics, they just went through the roof. So that's all very good news for Brighton. And I think there will hopefully be quite a smooth transition, therefore, from him uh, taking over from Graham Potter because they share a lot of the same values. All
2: right, Ben. Good, good to have you with us again. Thanks a million for that. Cheers. All the best. It's uh, Ben Jacobs there from CBS Golazzo. OTBAM. Brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to day. If you want to get in touch, uh, we'd love to hear from you this morning. Uh, Richard Mander says if you're picking a West Brom player on form, it has to be Malumbi at the moment. Malumbi mm. in the team doing well. He's great. He could. Yeah, he's definitely in the in
3: the like. I haven't seen West Brom, but he's. He's he's getting a lot of good um, getting a lot of good reaction and his energy as well. Would I, I'm not I mean a little bit disappointed with Malumbi for Ireland, um, but I know still so, young, still young. A lot of far better judges, inexperienced than me. at
2: international level. Yeah, and stage, so
3: need, needed game time because it was I wasn't really sure where his club career was going, and um, that midfield,
2: you know, that midfield position is kind of up for grabs. Yeah, Especially if Knight plays right wing back, which, you know, mm. I don't think he will, but he might. Uh, the Kerry Dominance chat post-final seems very, very premature now, says Callum Whelan. Uh, the Dubs are obviously quaking in their boots with O'Rourke at the wheel, obviously, says Stack. Cry laughing emoji. Mm. Um, that's it on the Dubs at the moment. Uh, Ireland's greatest ever player, Collins, didn't have a good weekend, says John Claffey. I think... Um, I think it's okay to be excited about young talent coming through is that not the whole point of being a, a fan of any sport it's like the future is there's a good day coming be it ever so far away yeah um, is that what the plaque on the side of Doyle says yeah in, in fairness like they were 2-0 down
3: he took Jack Grealish out you know let's just hope he goes seamlessly back into the team but I don't
2: think it'll affect his performance against Scotland uh, I thought Liverpool would be in green for not dropping points this weekend says Richard Rebels hey, there we go boom. right time for the Sports Pages there are so many idiots out there, so many spoofers. There's a lot of horse. I think he's
4: a total spoofer. What he you mean a spoofer? He's a bullshit. <laughs> ah, uh, no, Emma, come on, don't be, don't be, no, no. No. no.
2: At 8.37 this morning, we're bringing you what's in the uh, sports pages. The front of uh, the Archer Independent, Derry Clear Rovers, Cup Hurdle. Victory over Dublin is a shot in the arm for the domestic games. It shows League of Ireland champions You're not way ahead. It's good to see the chasing packs as Aim Sweeney. Yeah,
3: it's nice to see that front page. Um, obviously, with my League of Ireland hat on, but just Michael Duffy. His his goal against Bowes um, in the league recently was unbelievable, and I'm kind of delighted for him. One thing I didn't mention about Derry, Jer, um, that like when Stephen Kenny achieved all that at Dundalk, there were basically nobody from Dundalk on the team. Like, and that's that's they were pretty much all Irish players, but. It'd be a small point. Like I'm a Galway Knights fan, I do want Galway players on the team, and I certainly want players in the region. Derry is absolutely full of players from Ulster and from Derry as well, and a manager from Limavadi who clearly loves the club. And boy, do they love Michael Duffy and Patrick McLeaney, given the captaincy role, and um, was an interesting call. He wouldn't be the most kind of shouty uh, fellow on the pitch but his stats uh, yesterday apparently were amazing but he did a brilliant brilliant game and that's the beauty of this Derry story as well they've had so much hardship with the deaths of Mark Farn and Ryan McBride they've had so much hardship in that city in general this is a good time for them
2: yeah no for sure um, The Irish Independent just want to point this out has an extract from uh, our own Arthur James O'Dee's book it's called Limerick A Biography in Nine Lives and so uh, it's been a long time in the making it's in the shops now you should get your hands on a copy It's um, right up to modern times, but also looking back at some of the legends from Limerick and uh, there's an amazing story about the fallout from when Limerick lost when Tom Ryan was the manager. It goes into fantastic detail. I'm not going to tell you what it is. You're going to have to buy the book for it. He never
3: even told me about this book. I mean, he's just a man of very few. Like, he just keeps his cards. I was literally texting me yesterday about something entirely different. Never even heard of this book. And the man can write. Yeah. Yeah. Dark Horse is what you're saying. A dark horse, yeah, a horse that has um, hasn't really
2: seen the track that much yet in terms of, but he has now. Uh, back in blue, McCaffrey and Mannion to rejoin us. We'll do something with Arthur about his book, by the way, uh, in the coming uh, days and weeks. But it should be on your Christmas list. uh bowl slammed is embarrassing. Arsenal make it look like child's play by picking a child. It's kind of embarrassing. It's a real screw you to Brentford, isn't it? You are picking the fifteen-year-olds?
3: Yeah, it? is it a little bit? Um. We had a much younger kid playing in the Irish League in recent days as well. Fifteen and a half to me is—I think that's fair enough. Do you think so? Yeah, it's just training up, and as long as you—with the strength and conditioning the players have now—I think it's different. Though I think um, I've spoken to Stephen Bradley and a few managers about this scenario. It's—it's it's a different game now, and it's a younger game as well. As long as you're, if you're you're not going
2: to be kicked necessarily by the opposition, so. Uh, oh there we go Greeley sorry Collins waited in tunnel after the match to apologise to Jack so association with Screwfix. Um, hey <laughs> uh, uh, Greelish said that he wasn't sore it was his leg which hurt the most after Collins studs went down his body just his leg it looks in some Nick Grealish in fairness so um, big goal for him as well in the first minute of the game he can take it yeah back in blue double trouble they're the tabloid headlines on the dubs uh, dub going to win the All Ireland now according to Johnny it's a shoe in the, j- say that, the jacks it. are back yeah. it's a picture of the two lads covered in the gold streamers it's 7 and 13 on them uh, and then if you hate the royal family clap your hands is the banner um, as uh, from the Celtic fans in the away end as they were beaten 2-0 yesterday so um, it's been an interesting sport has been an interesting kind of lightning rod for it people's uh, I, you're not getting arrested at a football ground if you hold that up but if you hold that up while the cortege is passing by you're getting arrested. Yeah. It's, um, it's an interesting Our democracy. Yeah, it is, it, you know, a democracy, yeah. It's Deja Blue. Tab of the morning? Yep. You like That's that one? Alright, the rest of them are um, the 15-year-old Premier League. Federer could still miss his finale because of the injury, right? It's going to be a last-minute decision about his uh, participation in the... Um, and deserve gets the Brighton job but... They're not announcing it officially until tomorrow, out of respect to the Queen. She she wouldn't want it any other way. Um, no, she you know the Brighton Brighton should not man- name their manager until the biggest story. story. But the biggest story of the whole uh, death of Her Majesty
3: was how the Shinners have handled us. They've just somehow turned what could have been absolute like so many difficulties, and they've they've just emerged incredibly well out of it
2: it's, I, I just find it hilarious actually the big winners are, uh, are Sinn Féin as you say and Bertie Hearn seems to be the <laughs> other one
0: it's like <laughs> why, why do amazing
2: you, uh, yeah, you know <laughs> so there you go it's 8.42 this morning Colin Lanning's with us Colin what's going on hey lads
1: how's it going still oh, wheeling the death of the Queen <laughs> sorry that was your sports pages
2: yeah. <laughs> there are so many idiots out there so many spoofers there's a lot of horse <laughs> I think he's a total
4: spoofer.
2: What do you mean a spoofer? He's a bullsh**. Ah, no, Emma, come on, don't be, don't be, no, I'm not <laughs> yes. no. Right, Colin Lanny's with us, Carl, how are you? Hello, lads, What's how are you going doing? on? All well, and yourselves. Where's the, you, you brought out a book as well, have you? Not yet?
3: Uh, yeah, actually, yeah, I brought out a book, yeah, on yeah. Sligo. Yeah, same. Where's your book, Jer? I mean, we're, what, a hundred years together in this game? Yeah. No books. No books. You, oh, keep, yeah, you, keep, you keep yet.
2: telling everybody about your great idea for a book though. <laughs> <laughs> that's a newspaper
3: not a book and if the tax if the VAT comes down in newspapers got to bring out a Sunday sports paper haven't you? Just need a backer with. No
2: I hadn't heard that one out. sorry you keep telling yeah. about the journeyman jockey that's your book Oh right? yeah yeah, oh, yeah you have to have. I have great ideas You're like the secret you put it out there and then it'll come back to you except somebody else will have written it. <laughs> Colin Arthur two of the young pups of the game they've already both brought out a book.
3: There you go. There's a book on you Johnny definitely. Yeah, how are you? Have anyway? you written a book, no? No. Jess? No. I'd love to bring out a Sunday sports newspaper. I think there's a. If the VAT goes down to 0% of the budget on papers, I mean, I just need a backing of a lot of money. Be great though, and I mean, imagine the, the coverage off the ball would give a Sunday sports paper.
2: You're every just, Sunday. Um, just getting into the game as, as the game you is know, it, the, dying. You, you know, the, like the opening scenes of The Sopranos. Tony's like, "Did you ever get the feeling you come in at the end?" Yeah, you'd be like, "Yeah, I'm going to launch a newspaper. That's the future. <laughs> <laughs> the future of the media is newspapers." Like, like now I realize this like. sounds ridiculous. <laughs> Stick with me. <laughs> Print costs going through the roof. Nobody reading things anymore. But I'm the man.
3: That's the pitch. We <laughs> <laughs> good read though. Um, what's going on? Not a whole lot. Did you watch the? What do you think of Derry City yesterday? I thought they were outstanding. I yeah. thought they. I thought Shamrock Rovers looked like they were playing in Europe. They couldn't get on the ball. Jack Byrne lost the battle with Domigan. Um Patrick Mcelhinney, like the midfield of Duffy Mcelhinney Diallo. Um, who am I missing? Patching and. Is Dominic? Did I mention the five midfielders? Serious, yeah. Serious such a good player.
2: Yeah, good for the league though. It's if, very good. If Rovers, like, no cakewalk next season. It, it does take a billionaire yeah. to help them to get to this point, which you know, not great. But at the same time, um, maybe I, that's I like to call
3: you on that though, because as much as there, there will be pain. Their players quite well. I think Derry are getting good crowds. They're generally local players, and I don't think they're absolutely, they're like lashing money at it. Like, so it's not like uh, we're buying success here. They haven't won Anthony yet, but they have a local team, they have a local spirit, and I think there's more to it than that. Albeit they are backed by
1: one of four clubs in the League of now, backed by a billionaire. I think they were quite oh, shrewd in the players that they signed as well. They signed, they've signed brilliantly. They have. the off season. Like, I thought they would challenge all the way for the league title. I know they're there, they thereabouts. They might just, yes. Rovers, they are, might.
3: Rovers have Shells, I think, on Thursday, I think. Is that yeah. right? That That's a, definitely a game that they may not win.
1: Yeah. Um, which would make it interesting. And you've got the European commitments through to the end of the season. But mm. I think Derry City, they're, they're definitely looking at a, a longer term model, I would think, to, to challenge. Yeah, and that's what the,
2: the league the needs. Yeah. Yeah. You can't just have a, a Rosenberg or whoever your gardens did they also dominate I was mixing them up somebody Um, we should talk a little bit about the golf Roy McIlroy really gave himself far too much to do he was still in it but actually the triple
1: bogey was it a double bogey or triple at the first didn't help no it didn't and McIlroy, the bits I saw this week at the golf McIlroy didn't play well at all uh, but he was still contended which shows where he's at but yesterday he was very, on the front line in particular very very wild off the tee and obviously as you say that poor start and then he hits it in the water uh, coming down the stretch as well which put paid to his chances uh, you know he just didn't seem to play well this week at all he had some big misses off the tee Uh, at various stages which really hurt his chances and you know he had the likes of Fitzpatrick and and McIntyre played brilliantly yesterday and really timed his run to perfection and won in the playoff against Fitzpatrick then as well which is a huge boost to him and I would be very surprised if he isn't there next year as part of the European Ryder Cup team Well I was
2: going to say when McIlroy was pouring scorn on the live golfers he was one of the guys that was name checked which must have been a big boost for him you know oh okay, right, it's good you think I'm great and then for him to back it up that's a good sign
1: Yeah, and I think uh, they have looked at McIntyre and those guys as definitely the future. The European team, guys in their 20s like that, and he was brilliant yesterday, absolutely brilliant. I mean, I watched him on the front line yesterday, and he hit four or five approach shots to within uh, kick-in distance, really. And he was just in superb form all the way around and kept that going, and then won the playoff uh, brilliantly against Fitzpatrick, who's a guy that's in form as well. Um, Interesting golf course. I think the rough was quite deep. Um, in, in various places and McElroy spoke at the start of the week that he was looking at this week as a chance to see the golf course and they met up, I think, some of them to chat about how they might set it up to their advantage next year Yeah, uh, which is a big part of the Ryder Cup in terms of using those advantages uh, as best you can and they will need uh, a lot of help, I think, because the USA look quite strong but it looks like a golf course that if you drive the ball well, it's definitely scorable and McIlroy probably didn't drive the ball as well as he, he needed to this week um, A lot of woods off tees and stuff like that But still, he was a, he was very wavered yesterday, I thought, in the front line Which which didn't help at all um, But all things considered, quite a good week for him And he's still going to probably uh, win the race to Dubai as well uh, Given where he is in the standings So, uh,
2: How long is it? it when do they actually hit to Dubai?
1: Yeah, it's later on this year Usually, I think in November time, usually Right uh, around then but um, I'm not quite sure what the schedule is this year but I think it's usually around then but like I mean that would be a fantastic year for him if he won both sides of the Atlantic with the FedEx and not the race to Dubai yeah. but no measure I realise that um, you know, the
2: money doesn't matter of
1: course <laughs> yeah <laughs> no He's not at all money matters less to him than any other
2: golfer he said uh, anything else going on well uh, what do you make of the dubs <sighs> I think they're favourites for the All-Ireland no Kerry are actually the favourites you think well they are with the bookmakers? But you think
1: Conor Callaghan comes
2: back in as well? Yeah. Yeah, that what, if, what if Con's injured? What if Mannion's injured? Like but
1: what if how is, what if David, David Clifford is injured?
2: Uh, They're literally however, toast. However, 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 David Clifford not injured in Championship. Mm. Conor Callaghan has been injured in Championship, mm. not just once, right? Paul Mannion has also been injured. Was a sub yeah. the last mm. time?
1: Mm.
2: Like wasn't a starter on the team and Jack McCaffrey's been away for many years there's like a, a mad kind of yes we're gonna be this is gonna be amazing everybody's gonna be exactly the way they were in the absolute peak of their game they're not you can't just magic it back like that you can't whereas what we have in Kerry is a situation where uh, hell has been unleashed like mm. that team now has confidence coming down the stretch of an all Ireland final they've done there and been that the only been team being that. the only team your confidence is gone Ger exactly yeah. uh, I, I don't know though Like th- th- the th- only team in the country who had that was Dublin mm. and now they've done it to Dublin it's like a massive fl- uh, switch is flicked mm. everything is flipped struggling with words this morning what about Kildare I mean what about Kildare mm. <laughs>
3: <laughs> is there any, anything to be said for Leinster for next year no. Get no.
2: Get
1: it.
2: no, it's uh, it's not Leinster, it's just making sure that you're in the round robin after mm. that.
1: The provincial championships are have never been less important mm. than they will be next season. Yeah. Mm. And that's another thing to consider for I know Kevin McStay has spoken about the Mayo situation that they need to develop a deeper squad. Yeah. And you know, if you add these guys back into the Dublin squad, it becomes a whole lot deeper all of a sudden. And they've got Division 2 of the Allianz League to blood more players if they need to. That's mad when you think about it, yeah. So, I mean, I You're think are making the favourites. I think they're favourites. I, I'd I think, make them favourites, I think yeah. I Kerry
2: are absolutely the favourites. And if those two teams meet tomorrow, Kerry are, Kerry are favourites. Yeah, but it's not tomorrow. How do Kerry react to been All-Ireland champions as
1: well? Yeah, I don't absolutely.
2: Know. They're, they're going to have a few less points, according to Ger. I think so. Cardiou doing, doing Kerry. I think they're going to be absolutely they're going to have this is a, a nice cold shower for them in September and they're thinking right let's be having you lads let's be having you let's see what you're like I think I think the carry defence in particular are going to be looking forward to going up against yeah. Manion and Conn yeah. next season going we had to listen to everybody saying our All-Ireland had a little asterisk
1: because you weren't there well you're here now buddy it's what sledging. are you going to do?
2: Yeah,
3: miles sledging It's going to be fascinating yeah. next year I think
1: it? Mayo are going to have a kick in them with, uh, with Kevin McStay Goal. we're going to be there thereabouts mm. Donegal, Monaghan, depends on who they appoint as manager, but you'd imagine if they get high-profile appointments in that they'll get a bit of a kick as well. Jerome have to surely do better. Tyrone well, I, don't be know. better. I
2: don't know. I don't Conor McKenna's gone back to Australia. I think that's a, that's a massive, massive blow to them. To I think end. that it, it's, it suggests that things aren't as well as we thought they were. Now, mind you, the, um, the Canavan kids will be around and ready to go and that under-20s team were absolutely sensational, so
1: we'll see. All right, Call. anything else? Uh, just some rowing to look out for this morning. Uh, lots of Irish rowers in action at the World Rowing Championships in the Czech Republic. The women's four among those in action at about 10 to 11 this morning. Afriko, Imer Merlam Fiona Myrta and Emily Hegarty uh, in action there. You mentioned Brighton appointing Roberta de Zerbi as their new head coach on a proposed four-year contract. That's subject to a work permit. There's racing today at both Ferry House and Lestol as well. The first in the uh, Listole is off at 2.35 and then the action at Ferry House on uh, from 20 past three. All right, good stuff. Thanks very much for that, call. OTV brought to
2: you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Now, turning our attention back to the Premier League, I'm delighted to say Martin Lipton is with us. Martin, good morning to you. How are you?
0: I'm very well, actually. How are you?
2: Spurs uh, nailed on to be second now after that performance yesterday?
0: Sorry, I misheard that.
2: Are Spurs nailed on to be second now after that performance yesterday? No.
0: I thought, look, they still haven't played well. This is a bizarre thing. They haven't played well all season, and yet they're, you know, third in the league, I don't quite know how it happens um, I think the interesting thing on, on Saturday, A, obviously Son's scoring is really important but the tactical change in the second half when Besuma came on is one that the a lot of the fans have been asking for, to play with the midfield three rather than the two to stop being outnumbered um, and that did appear to have an impact but then you've got to make a decision on who your right wing-back is and that's where there'll be division I think it's fair to say between the supporters what, and the manager. What, what's the division? Well, the supporters want anybody but Emerson, and the manager wants Emerson. <laughs> That's the mm. division. <laughs> I think there's a, an argument that you play Kulisevsky right wing back. I think that could be an option, but you've got to then make him work defensively because he hasn't had to do that in the past. Uh, but it is interesting. But the reality is that
3: yeah.
0: they've got they've scored you know second or third highest number of goals. They've got a really good relative. Um, defence in terms of goals they conceded but you watched that first half on Saturday and that, that could have been 5-4 either way at half time. Where is, where is young Darty in all this? At the moment he's not. Um, Conte said he's still not recovered from the injury he got at the end of last season and that must be true because you'd have wanted a plan. Because before the injury he looked for the first time at the player they thought they were signing and he was excellent for a period of about two months and then he got injured, missed the end of the season and hasn't had a kick since. Now, that must be because he's not recovered properly from the from the operation.
2: It's a really long season. They're going to play loads and loads of games. I, I do think he's going to get an opportunity and just hope that um, from our perspective that he's ready when it does. But it, it's a really interesting squad at the moment. And it, it is interesting to see that a manager of, of his standing in the game and with that track record is still willing to be tactically flexible. And take risks and be adventurous when it comes to changing things around. That's a really positive sign, I would argue.
0: Well, yeah, I think you have to be able to do that and to be willing to, to, to sh- change the shape if circumstances d- determine that. I, I think that, you know, the best teams are able to to have a framework and play off the cuff, as it were, within that and make, make slight tweaks and alterations, sometimes change things completely uh, just to unhinge and, and unsettle the opponent. And I think you need to, to have that. I mean, the thing that helps Spurs, of course, is they know they're going to score goals. You know, even if Kane isn't anywhere near his sharpest, he's still got six in seven in the Premier League. And he's probably playing at about 70% of his effectiveness. Really, yeah? Yeah, oh, I mean, he's, he, his touch isn't quite there. His final ball's not quite there. The odd pass is there, but not enough of it. You know, you you, you know there's a lot more to come from Kane and yet he's still scoring goals. This is a huge uh, benefit. And it's why going back two or three years, when he wasn't fit, he would still play because he was still the most likely scor- source of goals, even when he's not playing well. Because also Kane creates space for others because you ha- you can't leave him. You can't let him pick up the ball and turn because he'll shoot and score potentially. And if you get too tight, it, cre- it leaves space in behind. He's a real problem just for being there because you know what he can do. Um, and obviously, for Tottenham, Song coming on and scoring goals and banishing those clouds of doubt that had started to to weigh over him is is a huge thing. What happened There's there? Still something
3: missing though. What happened there? Because um, you know, just it looked like obviously it was a confidence thing, bit of a hangover from how well he did last season. Um, he, he, his his stats w- would suggest he wasn't dribbling as much. Blah 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 blah. blah. Comes on and gets a hat trick.
0: Yeah, because football is played in the head. You know, it's mm. Between it's the, 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 that sort of foot of real estate between your ears is where it matters he was losing faith in himself because things weren't working he admitted that uh, after the game one kick of the ball changes everything uh, and I think it was always likely to that once he scored one I don't think I don't think you say he scores one and scores a hat-trick in 13 minutes but you score one you expect him to score quite a few because of the quality of the player he is Um, And lo and behold, Spurs can probably do without the international vein now because he'd be absolutely flying going into Arsenal in a fortnight. But it is a fortnight and uh, half of that squad goes away for Nations League and other World Cup feeling games with no idea what sort of shape they're going to be coming in when they get back.
3: Yeah, the the, the um, I'm not sure if the buses were running at all, obviously, in London this weekend, but it was put to him, it's like a London bus, three come along at once. I'm not, not really sure that happens, but are ten going to come does, along I at once? I promise
0: you, <laughs> I, it really does. <laughs> are ten
3: going to come along at
0: once now? Um, well, I hope so, particularly if they've got some tough games coming up. Look, I think if you look across the the league, the two best teams in the league this season are the current top two, actually, City and... Arsenal and City, they've been the best two teams, and then probably the third-best team are in third. But Spurs haven't played as well as the other two, and they haven't played as well as they can. But as a staging post for the season, you definitely take four points dropped out of 21 after seven matches. There's no question about that. It's a, it's a great position to be in going into the international break. Having said that, the caveat is, who have they played? Yeah, the what's your style, Martin?
3: Because like, I watched them against... Um... It's, it's it's bizarre when you think back now against Chelsea they were very very subservient in that game didn't have much of the ball and I'm like what what's the shape of the Spurs team in terms of possession based football this season have they a way of what is this actual style because they obviously are scoring a lot of goals
0: I think he's it's, it's a counter attacking strategy at the moment unquestionably that may change with if he goes with a midfield three because that will immediately give them more ball protection um, with if that three are. Probably Basuma, Hoberg and Bentancourt. But remember, a fit skip comes into the reckoning there as well. And he hasn't kicked a ball yet yet this season, literally not kicked a ball in the first team because of the injury at the end of last year. Uh, He gives them energy as well. They can then protect the ball better. They may be a better team in terms of having possession. But the setup thus far has been sit in deep and then hit on the counter. I mean, you could argue it's rather Mourinho-esque. Uh, and that period under Mourinho, when they were at top of the league in the first half of the season, in the, in the sort of the COVID hit, or yeah, the early, the late starting COVID season, the twenty-one-two season, no, twenty, oh, I lose track of time, twenty-twenty-one season, when there were no crowds and they they were top of the league just before Christmas, playing counter attack and nothing else.
2: It's funny because um, you, you bring up Mourinho. <laughs> Nuno was still the manager this time last year. It's an incredible turnaround because. Like, the the football might not have been, um, I don't know, the, the style of play might not be a million miles away, but it's far more effective. And the transformation of the club since Conte has arrived is, I, 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 I don't want to say unparalleled, because somebody's going to point something out, but I don't remember a turnaround as pronounced in such a short period of time.
0: Well, I do assume that uh, Conte has membership of the Magic Circle or something like that, because he certainly pulled a trick on Tottenham and turned them into a football club. Uh, it's been quite remarkable. The the effort the players put in, you know, they were lazy, you could say. That'd be unfair under Nuna, but they didn't do any running. They didn't ha- he didn't want them to run. Conte runs them into the ground. And it's no surprise that if you run a team that hard, they, they stay fit. And it's made a difference. They are able to stay in matches until the end. They'll score late goals because they're just that 1% or 2% fitter than the opposition. It
3: helps. Um, his comments after the or before the game at on Saturday thought were were quite notable where he's like we we bought Richarlison because we need a really, really good fourth striker, not a young player that you have to trust because this is this is Spurs, the Spurs I want Spurs to be, not the Spurs, which was a, a history of failure basically, a history of just being good but not really being that good and not really caring where he's like he basically is saying, I want to
0: change the mindset of this club, that's it he measures the the merit of a manager by the trophies he's got on his sideboard it's as simple as that it's a very very easy calculation he's not interested in development he's not interested in long term planning yeah that's nice to have he's interested in winning he wants to say look what I won Uh, and again there's a Mourinho-esque trait there as well to be fair I mean the two are not dissimilar Um, the difference being that Conte alienates boards and Mourinho it seems alienates players
2: yeah uh, so neither lasts as long as maybe you <laughs> might want them to, but well, uh, as things are going, we'll see. Conte's definitely going to get this season. It feels I say that now, and sure, look, uh, they can play that clip back to me at the end of the season if that doesn't work out. I
0: would never say anything for certain. Look, I, I think though that the the view is that they'll. That he at the moment seems quite happy there. Uh, I saw there was the stuff from Italy yesterday, yesterday. You know, Juventus want him and. He fell out with Juventus. Why is he going to go back? Uh, I think that's unlikely. You never know. I mean, never say never in football. But at the moment, he's, he's, the happy place is Tottenham. Uh, they've given him what he wants, and they promised him more of what he wants in January and again next summer. So there'll be a sort of continued uh, renewal of the squad. Uh, and he works very well with Paritschi, the, um, the, the general manager or sporting director or whatever his, his title is at, at Tottenham. They work hand in glove. They've known each other for a long time. Daniel Levy has basically said to the, the, the football side of the club, you know, I'll do the deals if I have to, but you sort them out. That seems to be working. They bought in seven, eight players over the summer. They got rid of the ones they didn't want in the main. The only exception being Brian uh, Hill and, and even he's, you know, being talked up by Alba Conchie having a chance to play. So it's a much happier ship than it's been for a very long time.
2: Can we talk about an unhappy ship at the moment and that's going on at West Ham where David Moyes was critical of the players in the aftermath of the game, which is obviously always a a dangerous line to tread. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. What do you think is going to happen at West Ham with Moyes this season?
0: Uh, Well, I hope that nothing stupid happens because you know he's the reason they've done so well over the last couple of years and he's trying to bring new new bodies in and make a difference. I thought they should have, Got something out of the game. It wasn't a great game yesterday. Uh, and if the, the shot hits the, the hits the post, comes in rather than comes out, they get at least a draw, and probably there's a momentum shift, and they might go on and win it. I mean, they were they were creating havoc at the set pieces, weren't they? And they just wouldn't go in. It was one of those those days. But then you look at the table and think, oh dear, that's not clever, and, and it isn't clever. I mean, they are where they are for a reason. The European results have been really positive that they played played well in those games, uh, and you think, well, why can't they take that? European form into into the domestic games and I think that would be the thing that would help is that it isn't as if they're getting battered every match or struggling to win they're winning as it were the wrong matches uh, and they need to start winning some of the league games uh, but the longer it goes on you know with the reality of it and that what's at stake if you get it wrong in the Premier League we're talking you know millions and millions of pounds then it can be a bit twitchy I think you well can't see them being silly enough to to want to make a change before um, the World Cup break, but they might do during it if things haven't improved.
3: Is is Mark Noble's loss in the dressing room a thing at all? I'm just wondering how. You know, we, we spoke about Bohemians this year. Like they've they've they lost their their main driving force in the midfield, more of a character. They've fallen off a cliff. They've become a soft soft team all of a sudden.
0: Um, is that any of an issue at all? Well, he wasn't really much of a feature on the pitch, was he, last season? But mm. maybe in the dressing room and at training he was. I mean, the expectation was that Declan Rice in particular would fill that void and, and take it up. And, and has he... he? Well, I don't think he's playing badly. I mean, so, but I don't know what, I genuinely have no idea what sort of character he is in the dressing room. I've never been in a dressing room with Mark Noble or mm. Declan Rice, so I can't, I can't tell. Um, sometimes it just, you know, with new players, it, it takes them a bit longer to, to feel at home. Mm. Um, and to feel confident in themselves and there's a bit of a transition in the way they want to play I think at times I mean there, there were moments yesterday when you thought Antonio is going to win this game on his own because he was bossing various elements of it and it never quite came off last season at this stage that they were all coming off he was scoring goals and he was creating goals and this year he scored one in seven he hasn't played any differently he's just not quite working you get those moments don't you and it can it can change in as Son showed on, on Saturday with one kick of the ball,
2: can we ask a little bit about Arsenal and the situation? They've they've bounced back from the setback against Manchester United really well, and that's the sign of a team who are unified and have you know well coached ideas, and the ideas are being carried out by the players. Like again, you've got to be impressed by the turnaround that Arteta has affected. From you think to Aubameyang being pictured driving his Batmobile late to the North London Derby and getting caught in traffic to this team at the weekend where they're introducing a 15-year-old and it's 3-0 and against a team who they've had struggles with just last season. Um, again, he's doing a very good job at the moment.
0: They've been the best team in the league so far, without question. They've been excellent. Um, and even in the, even the United game, you could argue the biggest mistake they made was to equalise because at that point they were so much in control and then they sort of lost their focus and he made he tried to, be, to win it by making a change where actually if he kept doing the same things they'd have won it because they were the better team but you know these things happen but that was a big win for them particularly with you know no Odegaard and issues the question is squad depth what have they got outside the top the first 13-14 that may become more of an issue as the season goes on particularly if you look at the number of matches that people are playing in the next month, it's going to be, it really is the killing fields of football, really, in some ways. It's going to be brutal, the the impact of it, unless you have a rotation or the ability to rotate within the squad, because I think it's six league matches um, by the end of October. Arsenal only got five because they don't play that City game, but they've also got European matches in the voice. We're talking about 10, 11 matches over the course of 31 days, all of them high intensity. Uh, But up to this point, you can't argue uh, against what Arsenal were doing uh, Hayes has scored goals Saka looks refreshed Xhaka has been excellent uh, the defence with uh, White and unlikely right back has worked really well Saliba has been um, the player that they thought they, they were going to get all those years ago two three years ago when they originally signed him and then sent him back on loan for a couple of seasons um, you know, Ramsdale has kept well they, they haven't shown a weakness yet apart from that silly 20 minutes at United when they threw away a game they should have won I think they'll be very, very pleased, and rightly so. And that comes down to the players trusting in Arteta. Um, I'm not sure what I'd make of those team talks, having watched them on the uh, the Amazon <laughs> show. I'm certainly not sure what i made of the light bulb. But there's a really interesting psychology at work there. And they like the fact that he challenges him. There's no doubt about that. Old oh, challenges them, rather. They want him to be the Pied Piper leading them to the, to the foremost
2: line It's a, it's a very interesting squad profile where you can probably get away with that for a certain amount of, of players and for some players it's going to just be complete marmite and mm. uh, maybe he's got rid of all of those from the dressing room and the ones who are there now are definitely his players and so he can, he can take them there um, Jack Grealish had a, a big response to a lot of the criticism that had been in the, in the previous week about not scoring and not creating I mean again you know, one goal
0: doesn't change everything but it can help kick things on yeah, I mean look, he looked a, a much more bouncy figure didn't he after the match. Um than he had done in the last couple. I don't think he's been playing particularly badly, but again it's it's exactly the same conversation, it's confidence. Uh players, you know, attacking players want to be contributing, want to be scoring, want to be creating, to feel valued and worthwhile for they're justifying their place, particularly if you've got a 100 million pound transfer fee um on your back, which Grealish has and you know, it's he's into his second season at City and Despite winning the league with them, if he was brutally honest, he'd probably give himself four or five out of ten. And he knows he's, he's, he's capable of eight or nine out of ten. Well, you know, that has an impact. That's, that's that's a season of not quite doing what you want to do. But England need him to be um, exciting and, and pop, pop positive and with the right mindset. And, and so does City. I and mean, City have got other options more than England have. Uh, but we are now, what, eight weeks out from a World Cup. Um, Great for Southgate for him to come into this squad this week looking like Jack Grealish again, even if he's only ever going to be a 20-minute man or a half-hour man for England. That's his role, I think. I don't think he's a starter. He's a late-impact substitute for England.
3: Um, Sorry, Joe. In all your years of following football and on the beats, have you ever seen anything like Haaland, apart from his dad, obviously, and that's probably just looks?
0: He is a truly remarkable goal scorer. Um, because that's all he does. He really doesn't get involved in very much in, in set-up play. He's only interested, really, is in the 30 yards. He, he was his goal first goal... In the, in the six yards from goal area. His first goal outside the box, I think, since August of last year. Well, oh, I can believe it. I mean, but what he does do is he's so powerful. He's so strong. He's so clever. Uh, and he's so athletic. He doesn't look as if... He, the goal he scored uh, in midweek, you wouldn't imagine a bloke of that size could do that. You know, it was. He showed great agility, and he'll score all sorts of. He'll do whatever it takes to score, and he's just terrific. He, you know, he's at the moment. The question is whether he scores fifty or sixty this season, isn't it? I mean, he just doesn't seem to want to stop. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't look like if if he stays fit, and
3: you know, the, you know, you're, you're hoping so. There was something about the little clip of him handing over the jersey to uh, the guy who's before the game. All the players are doing the warm up. I don't know if you saw this, Martin. There was just something about it and um, all the players just sort of tossed the jersey
0: oh, and he placed it in his hands
7: yes
3: he, he just went over... and i mean life is so screwed up now with everything you don't know is this actually maybe he knew the cameras were on him i don't think he did i think it was just he just seems a quite a quite a perfect guy in some respects and he has a little bit of humility to go with it despite the fact that he could be the best player ever
0: and oh, look he seems to have been brought up the right way by his by his father uh, and his, his his family he seems to me He's been nurtured by the right sort of clubs. You know, he's played in small club in Norway mm-hmm. and then he's gone to gone to Austria and then he's gone to Dortmund and now he's gone to City. And obviously the next move will be Real Madrid or Barcelona, uh, which is the reason he won't break Premier League goal-scoring records, Holland because he won't be here long enough. He'll be That's off a in two or three years. <sighs> definitely definitely uh, not. But, oh. he, but in that period he's here, he'll have the greatest goal-scoring rate of any striker, I would think. I that can't see anyone. Get, uh, he's going to average better than a goal again
2: the way things are going. Oh, yeah. um, speaking of the, the cameras, what have you made about um, David Beckham and the queue? Because there's, there's definitely a viewpoint out there that he's about to face a tricky period of deep-seated links with Qatar for the money that he's taken to be an ambassador for this World Cup. And now all of a sudden, all anybody's talking about is um, he's, a, he's one of us.
0: Look, I think it's genuine. Uh, I think also the criticism or the, the the scrutiny over his links with Qatar is genuine and, and right. The, the two things are divorced and distant, I think. This was him in a personal capacity doing something that he thought was right. And I know from previous conversations, he's a gen- he's a big royalist uh, um, and a monarchist, and therefore having met various members, probably all the members of the royal family at some point, he felt it was the right thing to do. I don't think one should ever criticise someone for for their acts when their acts of A personal feeling and depth which which, which, uh, this one was you don't queue up for 13 hours for a photo op you know you you, you might queue up for an hour for a photo op you don't queue up for 13 hours I tend to agree
3: I was I was at a gig recently and you had to queue an hour and a half for a beer and then I went to a festival the next day and it was like an hour queue for a lobster and I was like, not, no chance, I'm not doing this again. Certainly not for 13.
0: <laughs> you no, know, I just... An I you know, hour for lobster, I'd probably take, to be fair.
2: But <laughs> yeah, but how long is a long queue? 13 hours? I mean... It's pretty long. That's long. Well, I've got a better question then for you. Who's England starting back for at the moment? um Who are the centre-backs? I don't recognise a good starting centre-back partnership at the moment.
0: No, not a Southgate. That's why he brought Eric Dyer back. Uh, I suspect at the moment he might be tempted to stick with the three and go Walker, Dyer, Stones. Actually, um, or he plays Walker at right back. Um, but if you see, I, I, if you go with the three, then you can play James and Chilwell as your two wing backs, and I think that's probably decent the other option would be to play Saka at left wing back actually because he's just so versatile he can play left back or right wing he's a fantastic young player Um, if you go with a four I suspect it's stones and dire
2: right well, we've
3: got plenty we'll of time to We'll
0: see on on Friday and, and Monday. Won't
2: we've you? got better centre backs than you. <laughs> well, I'm not sure we do at the moment just yet, but uh, we're getting there. Uh, Nathan Collins obviously had a, a weekend to be remembered. Great to have you with us, Martin. Thanks a million. Cheers.
0: No yeah.
3: take care. Bye bye, uh, Martin well,
2: Collins out. and Nathan Collins. In some respects. It pretty, um, we,
3: we he'll get overs. He'll get overs she will get over it. she will get over it, yeah.
2: OTBAM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Here's what's on OTB Sports Radio for you today. Uh, Brian O'Driscoll meets Ethan Asaywa as OTB Gold at 1 o'clock. Splunk is live from 3. Culture Hall of Fame is Gavin James. OTB Gold is Michael Owen talking about his life after football and then the show is live tonight with Joe in the hot seat. You can follow OTB across our social channels and subscribe to the OTB Podcast Network for the best in the latest sports content. We're back after these with Alan Quinlan after the opening weekend of the URC. OTB AM. Right, 17 minutes past nine this morning. Alan Quillen is with us. Alan, good morning to you. How are you? Good morning, lads. Yeah, good. A bit of a whimper as opposed to a bang start for the URC. Um, but at the same time, plenty of lessons for us to learn and plenty for us to get stuck into. Um, let's start with Ulster Connacht. I think we probably expect Ulster to be better than Connacht this year. And the difference between the relative strength and depth of the two squads was clear. Is that fair?
7: Yeah, I think it was, um, in, in all the games, Ger, it was a bit rusty, um, which is understandable. I think there were a lot of them were disrupted with, with pre-season and players away and all that kind of stuff, which teams right across the board, even the Welsh and Scottish teams didn't have, you know, they lost pre-season friendlies last week um, with the Queen's passing and stuff like that. So everyone was kind of disrupted. So um, you're going to see some mistakes and errors, but I think I was a little bit concerned I would be a little bit concerned for Connacht that uh, physically um, they got out muscled and dominated particularly up front Um, and with all due respect to Ulster um, I know they're building something and Dan McFarlane has made them harder and abrasive and they're a very good side on their day Um, that would be concerning that you'd be you know, dominated. I think their discipline was really poor. Andy Friend spoke about it afterwards, and and that's under pressure. And it wasn't, I know Connacht are missing some players as well, but I just looked at the back five and Thornby, Fafita, Paul Boyle, um, Connor Oliver, Josh Murphy. That's not a bad kind of loose five, second row, back row. And, you know, the game was very kind of even up to probably 30, 30 minutes, and then McCluskey comes up with that brilliant offload for Luke Marshall's try and then um, the game kind of changed the momentum they scored another try and and you just felt at half time that even though it was only 14-3 that Connacht needed to come out of the blocks in the second half and, and show a bit of aggression and energy and they were just lacking a little bit it's worrying but not concerning
2: It's worrying because it's kind of similar to the pattern that we saw last season in that um, they can't withstand a lot of pressure that eventually the defence breaks.
7: Yeah, I think so. And look, to be fair, Ulster will probably do that to a lot of teams this year when they get on on a roll. And I think um, they're a very balanced side and and their attack is really good and and they can hurt you. But I think four of the tries probably came from malls. You know, They didn't score the four of them from the malls, but just a little bit soft... um, in, in, in their defensive efforts there in the forwards and I think for Connacht when they come under a bit of pressure then and that's what Andy Friend was talking about openly after the game you know they're they they give they're giving away penalties and they're they're kind of crumbling a little bit you've got to be patient but look it's very early days and um, it's 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 a tough place to go but to be beaten 36-10 Caelan Blade scores a brilliant try in 70 minutes or something like that and it's it's really only a consolation but the game just completely got away from them in the second half, and it was Ulster on the front foot all the time.
3: Where, where are Ulster in the hierarchy of the four
7: provinces now? They're they're probably number two, mm. um, given that they, Johnny they beat Munster in that quarter final last year up in Belfast, and uh, convincingly in the end, uh, Munster had, you know, probably brought one of their worst performances of the season to a quarter final, and. Ulster, you know, have kind of stepped up a little bit. They should have beaten the Stormers probably in that semi-final in the URC. So easily could have been in the final. Um, When when Ulster are good, they seem to be very hard to stop their flow, momentum. They play with pace, tempo. They have a lot of kind of X-factor players who can just do special things. You know, I know James Hume wasn't there the other night, but I love him in the centre. I think McCluskey has been brilliant for him. Um, they seem to know how they want to play and uh, are pretty really really well organised but you know, obviously they came up against Toulouse last year and, and were underpowered a little bit which is so uh, Ulster in Europe is is hard to see in winning the European Cup but I think they'll be right in the mix in the URC and, and at the moment they're probably number two uh,
2: How good is Nathan Doak?
7: Um, I've always been impressed with him I think um, he's matured he's still so young Um, control and they're very lucky because John Cooney brings a different type of energy as well you know they've two brilliant scrum halves there and uh, I I think Nathan Doe could be someone right in the mix next year for for the World Cup and even November we'll probably see him um, we could see him in the A game or even against Fiji Um, I think he's he's always been touted as a a top class player and
2: And now's the time to get I mean he's still very young so you don't want to rush him and you
7: don't want to invest too much hope he's still I think 21 um, around that and like well he's playing enough of big games there now to be physically kind of used to the contact the collisions I think he's mature uh, calm and controlled so you know he can only get better but I think he's, he's he's right up there now to put pressure on the the Irish crumb halves that are ahead of him um, the Connacht obviously are off to South Africa a nice handy it's tricky, yeah. handy start tricky the for from. Th- they got the Stormers and the Bulls in the next couple of weeks but you know they are a side that that when they play and hold on to the ball, and it sounds very obvious when they eliminate mistakes, and and they're a very dangerous side, Connacht, and they can score a lot of brilliant tries. And we've said that about them for the last number of years. It's just in these they should have made that more of a dog fight the other night. They made it too easy at times for Ulster to score the tries, um, and you know they can go to South Africa and, and you know they'll throw the ball around and they can be brilliant at that but they've got to do the fundamentals well scrum, line-out, breakdown, things like that and, and be more cohesive as a unit. Um, a lot of very, very good individual players but I still think they're underpowered a little bit and they're similar to Munster in a sense that you know they were in the market for front row players as well but they're very hard to come by a year out from the World Cup as well and not just from a budget point of view but from Quality being available, and uh, they have some young players coming through there. That again, like Munster, they want them to stand up and 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 hopefully come through. But it's difficult when you look at the depth of of um, you know that ultra that Leinster front row and stuff. It's it's a great scenario for Leo Cullen to have that kind of quality, and it does make a difference in these kind of type of games. Yeah um Connacht obviously
2: have several players away with the emerging iron I think it's five in the squad or maybe it's six it's five yeah five yeah so uh, obviously they'll be in South Africa at the same time as they um as as Connacht playing those games too so it's going to be tricky for Connacht for this period of time you just have to hope that they can
7: yeah and then they've got they've got Stormers um Bulls two games there you know it's it's tough for any of the teams going to South Africa now um the South Africans coming into the URC have, have you know, particularly winning it last year with the Stormers and and an and, and all-South African final. Um, it, they're going to get better. They're going to get more confident. And yeah. I think it's good for the league and it's good for the Irish provinces to to keep testing themselves physically against them. So it's a tough couple of weeks. If they got a win there, one win, um, it'd be great. Uh, but it's a tough... Look, and Dan McFarland. I was reading quotes on him... It, every team seems to have a difficult run at the start um, I remember Munster last year two home games against the South African teams who were completely disjointed and just trying to get together uh, but this is difficult for them and then they've got Munster at home in that, that fourth one which I'm sure they'll be targeting and they always get up for that and, and Munster-Connacht games in the last number of years there's been a nice bit of bite to them but You think it's a very tough start for them. And it's the last thing they need, Jerry, because they need to try and get a little bit of momentum. I think they'd have been very disappointed last year to, to kind of slip down a little bit and not make the playoffs, not make Europe... Um, because I think they, they were building something really nice for a couple of years there and yeah. it's just stuttered a little bit, hasn't it? Yeah, and we, we, we hope
2: hope that will re-emerge. That and it's difficult it's from
7: budget-wise, they oh, don't course. have the same type of finances oh. and, and it's difficult to, to get players. The um, The Emerging Ireland game is
2: 10 days away or 11 days away at this stage. The first one's the Friday um, afternoon and then it's Friday, Wednesday, Sunday. So, which is more important at the moment for Irish rugby? The next three weeks of URC... Aren't that Emerging Ireland three games
7: I was speaking about this with Adrian on Friday Yeah. I, I'm not sure I think the international team always takes preference for me it has to and that's even if I was a player it, it can be frustrating um, if you're a, a provincial player and you're losing players to Emerging Ireland tours Ireland A's internationals or they're not played in the derby matches at Christmas um, I think it's the most important thing and we, we spoke at length the last time didn't we after the World Cup when we came back about how can we find something that's different, that we can at least kinda throw our hat and say, Well we tried something different. And I think the credit to the the Irish team, they've tried the the Irish management they've tried to do that. We were speaking about, you know, picking players who were playing for overseas clubs and seeing what they could they bring back and, and kind of closing off that or opening up that loophole and saying, Well we can select guys from abroad. I, I think this tour is, is even though when you go through the list, there's probably four or five that you would think could actually now go into an Irish team in November. There's probably another three or four could put their hands up for a World Cup. So it's kind of, if you get five, four or five players out of this in the next year, I think it's been a success. So I think it, it's, even though it's probably frustrating for for the provincial coaches, and it's you can think Andy Friend is trying to pick his team, Peter Wilkins up this week, and you know have everyone available, try and get their their internationals back as well. And, and you think you're going off to South Africa, and you're you're losing a couple of more players. Munster's team next week will be totally different. Ten of the players they've ten going, haven't they? Is it ten or eleven? They've ten. All those ten were involved in the match against Cardiff at the weekend, and yeah. all that ten are gone now. Yeah. So I
2: suppose you've got to get the got to get the good of having them on your squad, so You're definitely playing yeah. them if they're not going to be around. Uh, it's it's tough. It is tough. Um, I I do want to ask you about um, uh, in kind of in that context uh, the the Leinster Zebra game. It was
7: interesting that they didn't start with Frawley from the start. That you know the, the well, he was in New Zealand. So I think there might there must be some sort of a. Some something different here because I think the, the the plan was that you know within reason, obviously the guys who started the tests in in, in New Zealand wouldn't be involved till round three. That's that's kind of was the plan. Okay. So you know, Kieran Frawley didn't start the test matches so you know, maybe there's a different reason.
2: It counts the same, does it? It's, yeah. I mean, it's very, it's it's never made public, this player will yeah, pay this number Yeah, n- yeah. so it's an
7: individual thing, so I'm not privy to what, what that was, but I would imagine it's because he hasn't, he didn't start, because when they came back from New Zealand, they would have had an extra couple of weeks off and obviously go on their holidays and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I was surprised to see him involved, but maybe there's a break factored in somewhere along the line for him in the next couple of weeks that... Um, or maybe Leo Cullen asked, could we have them for the first couple of games? Yeah, what does, sure. what
3: does Leo Cullen say to them after that After that match where it's like, this could have been one of the greatest collapses ever? Like, Or it, was, um, it, was it something
7: that they kind of were vaguely in control of what they were, you know, we're, we're still going to win this? You think, Johnny, at 28, I think it was, was it's 21-0 after 26 minutes. You're thinking, this is going to be 50-60 pointer here. Yeah. Um, and, like, from a neutral's point of view, you're thinking, God, it's brilliant that yeah. Zebra came back and they're making a fist of this and they're actually playing brilliant rugby. Um, like, the offloads they had in the game, the, the line breaks were f- all superior to Leinster. Leinster were very efficient and direct early on. And um, I think after the game, you're kind of going, first and foremost, you're kind of wiping the brow saying, thanks to God, we could have lost that. I mean, if you look at the last couple of minutes of that, that game, it was... You know, it's thirty three twenty nine, and they have brilliant opportunities. They're holding on to the ball. Eventually, they drop it mm. and there's a, an air relief. I think the changes that kind of came in, Lencer were right down the depth chart there and, you know, they just needed a little bit more control and composure and um, and they didn't have that. So, you can, take, you can look at it from two ways it's a great learning experience and you still got the bonus point win they really,
3: 29 points
7: like. yeah they did and and you know given the, the scoreline the way it was um, they lost the second half 19-5 mm. does that make any difference not really and you know the points the bonus point was coming home for Leinster but um, a little concerning again, but it's it's hard to be critical on any of the teams at this stage of the season because there's going to be a bit of rust. They obviously switched off a little bit. Leicester standards have been so high, and and they've always had this kind of ruthless word connected with them. Even with their their you know with their internationals gone, so I think that's kind of a, a kind of a pivotal moment. But if you think back to the last year, they lost the game early on. I think it was first or second game away to Dragons Mm -hmm. over in in Rodney Parade in Wales and um, or they barely won the game I think they barely won at 7-6 or something like that and there was a lot of criticism there that um, so they turned around their season and went on a a pretty strong run so I wouldn't be too concerned with the depth they have but it was brilliant to see Zebra kind of, you know, show their quality. The a the
3: name now as well, and they're trying to kind yeah, of. Yeah, but I think things. they'll score a lot of tries yeah. this year.
7: They've like twenty attacking. odd new players. Though. Yeah, they have, yeah. and they've some brilliant attacking players. Their back three were outstanding, and um, so yeah, it was a game they... I think that he would have been reading the right actum if they lost it in the end. But it was, it was, it was, it wasn't a case of they were comfortable the last kind of seven or eight minutes. Um, they were kind of defending very strongly, but Zebra kind of lost control of the ball and stuff. But, um, yeah, they'd be happy, obviously, in the end. But
2: Let's move on to, to Munster then. Um, they're beating 2013 in Cardiff on Saturday afternoon, game moved from the, the Friday. Um, you were talking about rustiness and they were super rusty, like... Malachi Fecato I think, knocks on his first ball, which you know, and then he gets into the game. So this is we're not we're not making any um, rash judgments on it. What will the team have learned from the performance? What what will they be thinking? Okay, well that didn't work. This needs to improve. Is it? Is this was that essentially the start of like a preseason friendly still because they haven't played enough games together?
7: Yeah, and I think it, what 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 kind of stood out for me was that, um, and I think Graham Rowntree had to do this even though because of all the changes he has in the next couple of weeks and I think because of the emerging Ireland tour things could have been a little bit different in pre-season where they actually said let's try and get as many of these players who are going to start the first URC game playing against Gloucester and London Irish but because after they play Cardiff there's going to be there's probably 13-14 changes next week to to their game um, against Dragons that he had to mix and match those preseason friendlies, friendly. So they haven't got a kind of a clear and sometimes it needs a couple of games. There was some positives in the game, definitely. Um, what they were trying to do, you could see from the attack. Um, I think what they lacked a little bit was control themselves and just sometimes making a decision to say, you know what, it's a little bit risky here trying to move the ball and, and someone calls a play and they're trying to get a bit of width in it. Um, and then maybe it's time just to, put the ball down or find a way to, to, to kind of get some territory and uh, I think right at the end Cardiff were just kind of inviting him onto him believing that they'd stopped them and they'd turned them over at the breakdown and uh, they got the score right at the end you know I think if you look at Munster getting a losing bonus point there was it's not a bad result given that the starting team had 13 Welsh internationals. I and it say. should have been 14. Owen Lane pulled out before the game in the warm up and Alan Summerhill came in. He's a really good player. So when I was doing my research for this game. Is it um, the
2: strongest Cardiff team in a long time?
7: It is, yeah. And Di Young has said that himself, I think. Obviously, Liam Williams went off, and it was very unfortunate for him. He's he's a top bloke.
2: But they brought on Reese yeah. Priestland.
7: like it's you know yeah. So they have you know it's 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 a strong side, and a lot of these guys played against South Africa in in in, in the summer. So you can kind of look at it both ways. I think Munster would have been frustrated when they look back at the video; they'll be quite frustrated as a lot of the time they got caught kind of behind the gain line with an impact tackle and three or four Munster players ahead of that player so to, to retreat and get back around and resource the ball was difficult Cardiff were really counter rucking very aggressively so they got turned over a lot at the breakdown very concerning I think the the knock-ons and the drop balls were starting to become a little bit alarming uh, you know as the game went on and, and I don't know was it just guys switching off or just being a little bit rusty but I thought you, you know Fekitoa started you know he's running that hard line off a line out and he knocks it on hits him into the middle of the chest Chris Farrell dropped a couple Alex Candelen, um Paddy Patterson was, was superb with his delivery and his sniping probably just got a bit excited and put two grubbers in it at times when he was making great breaks but I think he was absolutely brilliant in the game um, fell off a couple of tackles and if you look at the three tries they conceded well they'll be frustrated with that I think Really frustrated. So, you can look at it both ways. Certainly, from their own viewpoint, when they when they analyse the video, and if you're being harsh, analysing what they could do better, um, the breakdown and the the ball the, that ball handling needs to be a lot better. Okay, uh, all fixable. Like, well, I would think so. Yeah, but that comes with a bit of cohesion as well, Jer. So, um, you know. I think it's very early days, i think um sometimes it's down to personnel as well and what what they can and can't do, but you know Chris Farrell looked very frustrated coming off um he's a much better player than probably what we what we saw early on feto the same looked frustrated um he had they had, they all had glimpses in the game um
2: what's the story of frisch um people saying that he's like he's, I, I you know potential bolter for Ireland sooner rather than later that's I mean everybody who comes in who we've never seen playing in an Irish context all of a yeah. sudden is like the the next bolter but what, what is like what's a what's his ceiling
7: I think they're very 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 enthused by him Um his potential um, obviously he's still a very young player and hasn't been exposed to, to top level rugby consistently I think he he they were impressed with him in Bristol as well, and what his potential is. He's still only 23, so um, what I'm hearing is that they really like him, and he has serious potential. And I think that's why he's gone on that emerging tour to South Africa. He is someone who could come in the, uh, come right into the mix. Obviously, we've got to see it ourselves, and he's got to do it you can be enthused and excited about certain players but they've got to show it then when they go out on the field and play but I think he's someone definitely that they're really really happy with and and uh, they're hopeful that he can make a real impact there
2: OK um, is there any word on the long term injuries around uh, Munster RG Snyman in particular it's kind of gone very yeah, I think well? he's
7: pretty close I is think he? yeah yeah, he is um, I think they've been obviously trying to get this right Um and make sure that like any knee injury, I think there was a small little, you know soreness there and and a cartilage issue over the summer, which is fine now. Um and I think look he he's someone that obviously they've you know, he's a game changer if he's playing for them. And yeah. everybody I think uh wants to see him back and playing. So I think he's pretty close. Um it'll it'll whether it'll be whether it'll be in the next this block of matches I'm not sure but um I'd rather hold him back for another couple of weeks and have him you know, for for Europe and and post Christmas and stuff like that. But I, I'm sure he wants to get back playing himself, and when he's ready, he'll be ready. But I think he's pretty close.
2: The last thing we were talking about um, in the build up to the whole season was their front row and and the need for players to step forward. Obviously, we're not going to make a judgment yeah. after one game, but was there anything encouraging? Signs? I tell you
7: that that's what I was going to talk about: uh, Keenan Knox and Roman Salanoa Again, early days. But they're up against internationals there, you know, and Rhys Carey, um, he's a very strong scrummager. I think um, I think both of them played really well. Okay. I think they were just, and I looked at the scrum each time, they were rock solid and they were getting a little nudge at times. And that's the stuff that I want to see before the stuff around the field, because that's where they're going to be judged. And I think both of them played... You know, can layer really on the really, stuff around the field. Yeah, well, let's see. Um, you know, both of them are... Well, Ken, Kenyon Knox was making carries, uh, trying to poach ball, making impact tackles. When Roman Salanoa came on, he was the same. I think he hit... Uh, Talupi Faletel one stage and smashed him backwards and I think he did that on a couple of occasions with Cardiff players running hard and, and he has that kind of strength and power. Yeah, so as much as, as RG Slimane's going to be a game changer having those Oh uh, Having them getting better yeah, for yeah. sure and they've got to Stephen Archer is, was, has had an injury for the last few weeks and you know the next tight is James French so that's an area that there is concern and if those players step up and at least get their set piece stuff right yeah. i.e. solid rock-solid scrum well, that'll be a massive plus for Munster. Okay. Anything else from the weekend? Well, the the rugby championship's still alive, I think obviously when, when South Africa South Africa Argentina that was incredible a game the other night with Argentina pretty dominant twenty two six or South Africa pretty dominant twenty two six up and then Argentina come right back and uh and then they changed gears and just won it in the end. So um they're all level at the top. New Zealand, South Africa, and uh, New Zealand came though,
3: insane as well. Like just
7: like just right was at the end, insane yeah. on Thursday <laughs> morning. It was <laughs> just incredible. Uh, Australia have written to the World
2: Referees Board saying, "Come on, well, well, come on, come on. This needs to be fixed." Um, I,
7: and I think obviously, technically, you know, uh, Macharel was right. Um, there's footage there that you can clearly hear him saying it Matt, numerous times, but we haven't seen it before. You know we haven't seen no
2: it. it's like the um, it's like the free in gaA when the goalkeeper comes out of the the small parallelogram it's actually supposed to be at one stage it was a uh, it was a free if if 70 a 65 to the opposition and you're like oh that seems and then it happened once I think in like a, an underage final and was like no this you can can't be doing this but uh, maybe it's you can a big big call on and, if and it maybe you just do it now from now TV on you know either,
7: you'd be thinking we'd be given out as well yeah. so um, all right yeah, right. Look, if they're going to do it now, he, they probably have to do it throughout yeah, back, the game. You know, Ireland. if you go on I just I'll finish with this: if you go onto YouTube and you watch a game, the highlights of a game, or or even put on a full game on YouTube, and you and you say, right, the ball is kicked, a touch, and you go for a lineout, and you press forward, forward, forward to get to the lineout, you can probably do that three or four times, and they're fifteen second blocks before the lineout is even set so there's definitely issues in rugby and it's same with a scrum Johnny if there's a knock on you can hit it forward three times I'd say before that scrum is actually set so we have a lot of dawdling and foostering and delaying yeah, yeah. Throughout, yeah. throughout the game and will change the game if they, that if they it, fix that Yeah.
2: alright Alan good stuff thanks a million OTBAM AM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day we're back tomorrow with Shane Hannon in studio live with Gareth A. Davis on the prospect of Tyson Fury fighting Anthony Joshua in December uh, retired centre Conor O'Brien will reflect on his rugby career. Cut short and much more besides. Right now, we're going to leave you with a classic crappy quiz. See you tomorrow.
4: OTB
1: AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new
2: Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.